This story says, I signed up for a free crash course in manifesting your instacles. <laughs> Wait, is that serious? There's a course in manifesting your Instagram goals? <laughs> Guys, think about that. Like, if the universe honestly cares about your Instagram following, <laughs> what? I, 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 can, I can handle the universe has your back. I cannot back the universe has your handle. This is this turns out to be the meaning of life. Like take me to the lakes where all the poets want to die. I don't belong. I don't belong. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Every few episodes I try to reintroduce myself in case anybody's new here. And uh, you know, if anything to clarify that I am not Kate Kennedy, the porn star. Uh, not that I don't support her work, but we don't look not enough alike to be distinguishable, so never hurts to clarify. I'm also a 33-year-old Chicago-based entrepreneur, pop culture commentator, podcast host. I wrote a book called Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. But I got my start in kind of the public space uh, when I started this doormat company by accident in that I, I had a very corporate job that I had no plans on leaving. I pursued a creative outlet on the side by painting turn off your curling iron and turn off your straightener on doormats, called them remind doormats. Like instead of welcoming you in your house, they see you on your way out. They go viral, take off, and then my life completely changes. And I share that today because a lot of my commentary about starting a small business, uh, becoming an entrepreneur, being your own boss, blah, blah, blah. It's very different than a lot of the uh, advice I hear given by, you know, bed in a bag self-help life coaches like Rachel Hollis that just did a thing once and base empires off of highly subjective advice without caveating any of their own privilege. And it's also very different than like Instagram coaches, life coaches, these kind of like smaller scale self-help gurus that sell a lot of courses and webinars and um I don't know. It's like manifesting babes. You guys know what I mean. There's these like everywhere you look these days. It's so everyone's a coach. And my commentary two weeks ago when we went over this about Susie School when she charges six thousand dollars to to you know to bring people to a retreat and does some productive stuff, yeah, but also teaches them how to grow organic Instagram followings. But when push came to shove, and she started her own venture into a brand instead of having to organically grow an Instagram following and showing people as a case study how her formula works, she cheated and did a bait and switch and swapped out her handle. So people just were forced to opt in to follow this brand that already followed her. Because why? It's hard to start an organic Instagram following. And anybody says they have a formula for an abstract thing like a big following, like happiness, like success, like salvation in the church's case, like these things all have overlap, is full of it. Because there is no one known formula for how to approach things, yet people oversimplify solutions to complicated problems of the human existence to capitalize off of our unrest and it makes me furious and as a person who started and built built a small business from scratch that was actually bootstrapped without investors or any help that i will heavily throughout this episode caveat my own existing privilege and access to resources too um i just think that people give really bad advice that can be really detrimental uh, and really overlooks a lot of the nuance that's required for somebody to succeed on their own as their own boss in a small business, whatever it may be. And I just get really frustrated when people 
have success and rightfully give advice that is relevant to their success. But instead of positioning it as a s- subjective and niche to their category, they position it to all business owners, to anybody wanting to do anything. And then kind of scale these coaching businesses that are based off of utter bullshit. And after two weeks ago in the episode Somewhere Hung Over the Rainbow, I talked about Susie School. And um, you, you guys know I've talked a lot about cults and uh, religion and Rachel Hollis and self-help gurus. And all of these things kind of like orbit around similar principles. And I wanted to add on kind of the final piece of what I've never really deep dove or read stories about, which are and I know these don't aren't the exact same, but they pander to the same career unrest and MLMs and kind of those Instagram type life coaches that I, uh, as Nora McInerney pointed out, are like the new MLM. So I kind of want to cover them both and they don't fit super cleanly together, but I want to read stories of people's experiences from both and kind of call out the problem here of people exploiting, uh, you know, people that are in vulnerable situations and how it's a slippery slope. And just in general, MLMs are like the most requested deep dive. And my argument with MLMs is oftentimes they're kind of, I feel like the social dialogue at this point is pretty unfavorable toward them. I feel like it's been covered so amazingly well by many journalists that have more talent and depth of insight than me. You know, if you want to watch the LuLaRoe expose that Vice did on YouTube, John Oliver has a multi-level marketing episode uh, from last week tonight on YouTube as well. Those are kind of quick. If you want us to do a full podcast, like series about MLMs, listen to the dream. It's incredible. There's, this has been covered a lot. And I feel like we all kind of know the, the joke, right? Like join my team. I have this amazing opportunity. People call them the Huns. I mean, I'm in a Facebook group. that's like 500,000 people called sounds like MLM, but okay. But where people just share the ridiculous outreach from people that are essentially targeting them and they're in a, in a time of need so often and trying to hawk a product to them in the most insensitive way possible using terms of endearment of a, an alarming amount of emojis. We've all seen this sort of thing. Um, So I guess, I don't know, this episode's a little unstructured, but I kind of just want to talk about, I think there's a lot of journalism and a lot of literature out there that talks about the obvious issues with the MLM business model. But I want to talk about the communication tactics uh, and the way people, I don't know, kind of take advantage of and manipulate other people that are in vulnerable situations that I think is the common thread across uh, self-help and life coaches and uh, MLMs. And, you know, I love a Venn diagram. Don't get mad. Get a Venn. And when I think about all the things we've covered on this podcast, MLMs kind of and, and coaches are kind of the last two circles that I think overlap incredibly uh, strongly with uh, a lot of topics surrounding like restrictive religions. Not, you know, again, I'm never trying to comment on faith, but rather the things flawed humans do that make organized religions uh, really narrow in their thinking, really uh, unfavorable to those who doubt or leave, and those that really serve the leaders at the top more so than the people that are part of the community. We've talked about that. Uh, You know, there's episodes called True Love Waits about purity culture and whatnot. I've talked a lot about uh, Mormon mommy bloggers. Uh, And then like the next circle would be uh, when things get to an extreme and teeter into cult territory and i did a deep dive about nexium and keith ranieri and talked a little bit about self-help help gurus in this too about the 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 targeting of 
and the taking advantage of uh, common issues people have and want to improve upon and indoctrinating them into organizations they can't ultimately get out of using many tactics of psychotherapy for evil just as much as they can be used for good but in the wrong hands with unlicensed professionals this becomes a huge problem and on that note really fast like that that that's to me my biggest motivation here is not to like talk shit about you know people like rachel hollis or gabby bernstein or the Susie school or whatever it is uh but rather my motivation is like when i think about a lot of these people pander to common mental health issues that many people experience, but I fear aren't always taken seriously. And I, I legitimately find it alarming that the self-help category and like Rachel Hollis being the bestseller for several years among my demographic, like it, it scares me to think that of how many people that spent what's like up to $1,700 on a rise ticket with Rachel and Dave Hollis, like one of their conferences. The fact that people would do that before they would seek out traditional therapy uh, is is fascinating to me and just goes to show how stigmatized mental health is and just goes to show how much of an opportunity there is to prey on a lot of these uh, overlap that could be achieved with therapy as it relates to self-improvement. You know, hawked by people with no credentials uh, and no medical training and no ability to create meaningful, sustainable change. Next year, Keith Ranieri episode, I talked a lot about how uh, there are psychotherapeutic tactics that, when used in the wrong hands by non-professionals like a Keith Raniere, you know, whether it's NLP, biofeedback, hypnosis, uh, cognitive reframing, you know, if you are trying to help somebody's uh, thinking, like thought patterns improve, it's one thing. But if you're trying to reframe somebody's thought patterns to serve the organization and the person abusing power at the top, that's called brainwash. But the the way you go about therapizing and helping oneself and brainwashing a person at times isn't that dissimilar. And that's why it's so important to be getting help from actual licensed professionals. But even beyond that, like even if you don't, not to say everybody needs therapy, but like, I don't know, something just really upsets me about a person like Rachel Hollis, you know, pitching you this tough love type of mentality that's so unforgiving to your many fixed circumstances you can't control, not caveating for any of that, profiting millions and millions of dollars off of people's unrest, and giving you highly generic advice that she knows isn't really going to do anything. Uh, And the reason I kind of group self-help with what I see as the next circle (laughs) being MLMs is because the self-help guru's messaging is so in line with the the manipulative tactics MLMs use to get people to join their team over promise how much money they're they'll make completely uh underrepresent their circumstances and how that plays into success and dupe people into spending money changing their lives leveraging their communities to make someone else rich and that's what they have in common with self-help gurus it's like it really frustrates me um when I think about, like, back on my experience starting a business and how I desperately wanted answers and help and searched everywhere and how I just, I, I would have spent a ton of money on something like that if I thought it could help me. And I would have been so disappointed. 
and really screwed if I spent a lot of that initial investment not on capital, not on something meaningful toward my bottom line, but to make a person like Susie or like Rachel Hollis or like Gabby Bernstein or like Grace Lever rich. Like, and then their, their positioning becomes so similar to that of an MLM where they're like, you know, I'm a boss, babe. I'm living my dream. I have flexible hours. I, you know, have full autonomy and independence like I always wanted. And I manifested this and you can too. And then they did something once and then projected out on everybody ever building anything, which is just so wildly inaccurate and sell courses uh, to make you a coach. And like it, 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 I said it once, I'll say it again. If, if you were so good at the thing that you were coaching about, you would just do the thing and you wouldn't have to coach about it. Coaching is a backup methodology of making passive income that people do when they realize the thing they were doing that they claim they're so good at was like a little bit too much work and they want to do something else. And coaching is very valid in a lot of trades like photography, for example. I, it's, I know I'm speaking in harsh generalities that aren't totally fair, but for the sake of this episode, I think you guys know what I'm getting at. Uh, more so than the industry targeted would be the type of people that don't target an industry or niche and really over uh, overstate their capabilities as it relates to helping somebody start a business, improve their financial situation, or get themselves out of an emotional rut uh, by promising that what happened to them can happen to you, but they don't acknowledge any of their advantages while profiting off of your disadvantages. The way oftentimes both MLMs and self-help gurus will position your problems takes full accountability away from them. It's kind of similar to how Rachel Hollis in Girl Wash Your Face is like, if you had a friend that broke her promises to you, would you respect her? No? Well, exactly. That's why you shouldn't respect yourself if you break promises to yourself about your diet and weight loss program. Humans aren't meant to be overweight. That is something she said. And I'm lightly paraphrasing the order of that, but she built an entire empire off of paraphrasing other people's words, so I guess it's what we do here. Uh, if you want to hear, I, I talked about her ad, ad nauseum, I feel like, in episodes like Visco, Girl, Wash Your Face, Murder, Macaroons, Kate Lila, number five, if you want to hear more uh, Hollis chatter. But I bring her up not only because my rage still hasn't you know, tapered off from her saying Taylor Swift doesn't interview well, and she needs to get some female role model, like, whew. Rachel did an Instagram live in it's like November, December. And sometimes when I just need to like channel some, you know, ragey energy, I watch it because not only does she condescendingly call her Tay Tay and be like, I love her music. And I'm like, bitch, you listen to Shake It Off. Just don't act like you're deep diving the poetry that is Last Kiss and its underrated nature relative to the hype of All Too Well, which is worth the hype, by the way. But I just think the storytelling of Last Kiss is hugely underrepresented in the fandom. Um, but anyway, you know, you know, there, there's there's nothing that there's no way to make me your enemy than to hawk pseudo feminism while to while also piling on to Taylor Swift and the very like anti feminist trope that exists within society where people think that not liking her is a personality type. And they unfairly typecast her to the one year of her life when she had like had a squad or the one part of her life where she was dating a lot of people in the press and completely undermine her artistic skills what her charitability what she's done for the music industry and her just general emotional growth and maturity that comes with age that she has evidenced in recent years i think she's owned up that she should have been more politically active earlier read her transcripts from her sexual assault trial tell me that it's not supporting women to give kesha a quarter million dollars to help with her sexual assault trial 
that's not supporting other women and other artists to bake into her huge universal music contract that other artists besides her need to be paid more favorably for streaming services. Like she's, I think she's done right for everything that she's done wrong. I think she's done right by a lot and it just gets overlooked. And I don't, this is not even what this is about. And I didn't mean to bring Taylor Swift into it. <laughs> but like, I watch people like Taylor's like Rachel Hollis that have huge platforms that are like, she doesn't come across well. She's not very likable. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't stand I don't know, people that like hawk feminism simultaneously fueling uh, internalized misogyny that exists within our society that makes us prioritize a woman's likability above her productivity, above her professional output, above her, you know, philanthropy, above everything else. Like all we are like is like, there's just something I don't really like about her. She just doesn't come across well. It's like because she's confident, because she's articulate, because she's well spoken. Like, <laughs> I can't. But anyway, yeah, I was talking about that because, like, people like Rachel Hollis, they, they're the ones that speak at events, like, for Beachbody, LuLaRoe, Arbonne, Duterra. Uh, I know she's spoken at those. I'm not sure of all of them. But we all know, like, the, the usual suspects for MLMs. There's Monate, that one I can never remember how to pronounce. <laughs> but apparently it is Monate, not Monet, or Monat, or Mona, or Monet. But similar to what, you know, we learned in Clueless about a Monet is... Uh, uh, from far away, it seems okay, but up close, it's a it's a mess. And as are many many of these MLMs, especially in like the beauty wellness clothing space. I mean, there's so many. There's uh, like uh, Rodan and Fields. There's Herbalife, Unique, Lip Sense, Beauty Counter. You guys know the the prevalence of these companies that once plagued our social media feeds. And I think what frustrates me with this Venn diagram as we move from, you know, cults to self-help to uh, MLMs is the hypocrisy that lies within uh, the advice people give about owning your life and future and your financial independence, the lack of acknowledgement of baseline privilege and access to resources and systemic disadvantages that many people have that will not yield them the same outcome you had and why it is dangerous to hawk your individualized anecdotal experience as something that is projectable to the general population when it is not. But beyond that, if a person's actually a self-help guru, if a person's actually keeping your mental health in mind, if a person actually wants what's best for you, the tactics deployed by many MLM companies, uh, you know, marketing strategies are a direct conflict of interest with anybody who claims to be in the in the, the business of, of helping people. And we'll get into stories in a little bit, starting with coaching. But what I think is kind of the underlying commonality here is like uh, – MLMs tend to not be very transparent and to use the like 1% of success to represent uh, your earning potential and uh, unqualified self-help gurus that too closely operate in many spaces that overlap with, uh, you know, the tenets of mental health will use their anecdotal situation to build entire programs based off of and not yeah, like I said, factor in the many fixed realities that exist within people's life um, that would not enable them to have your outcome. But the reason I bring up kind of these topics we talk about on the podcast and how it relates to today's topic is because as a privileged white woman who started a small business, um, I actually think I give maybe bad advice, but I give the opposite advice. I'm like, do not quit your job. Do not follow your dream unless you can follow it on the side and until you can get it to a sustainable place where it is profitable, 
there is some longevity there and you can live off of it. But beyond that, you have to make sure you can tolerate working around the literal clock, having the pressure of it being just you. And, um, you know, realizing that if you walk away from a source of income that like you trained for and you have relevant skills for, the longer you take time away from it, like the more relevant you will become. And like that happened to me. And it's an interesting thing of I hear so much like small business entrepreneur boss babe advice. And I have an obsession with going to their LinkedIn and seeing, have you, are you, if you were a business coach and you have never started a business, oh my God, the audacity. And I think the why I got worked up about this all over again this week outside of the Taylor Swift thing <laughs> um, that again I saw months ago. Uh, was Kelly and I did a Patreon episode where we talked about our like careers, how we chose them, how our attitudes over time changed for them. And we both have like really windy, unusual careers. Uh, and Kelly's experienced a couple rounds of layoffs in 2020 that have been so disappointing. And when we were having this conversation, I, I asked on Instagram, like, what are your career questions? And reading through them, I was just like, damn, we are all experiencing some different form of existential career crisis that I think has a lot less to do with our individual circumstances and more to do with, like, uh, how lost millennials often feel. Uh, the, along the lines of the theme I talked about in that episode, Millennialed, I think we all grew up preparing for a world that no longer exists, and now everything's about opportunity and passion and following your dreams. And even if we shouldn't feel badly about our nine to fives or the things that we've chosen to do with our life or we've sunk too much time and money into it, we're like forever plagued by like, is there more? Should we pursue passion and purpose and this and that? And it's like, we're, you're, you're fine. Like, like, we don't always need to be more. We don't always need to feel badly about where we are in our lives. Like, it's, it's such a problem to sell these things to people and to make them feel like they are missing something and that you uniquely have the solution or remedy while you just sit there and profit off of people's unrest that you are manufacturing through your marketing message. I just want everybody to know that they are okay and it is okay to want more and it's okay to pursue improvement, but it's not okay for people to capitalize off of that anxiety and to make you think you need to pay them and you are missing something because you're not missing something. The, the, the entire theme here really is like everything is so highly individualized and people are the worst who kind of package and oversimplify a dream, whether it's in the form of an MLM, in the form of coaching you about how to grow or be your own boss or, you know, the variety of things people hawk these days on social media as uh, solutions to career unrest. I guess my point is, A, career unrest is very normal and common. And in polling people about their questions, we are all amidst a crisis at any given time thinking we're not doing the thing that's right for us. And we're feeling like if we're not satisfied every minute of every day, there's there's like something must be off. I never want people being shamed or guilted or feeling like they're not doing enough. There are people everywhere all the time working overtime to make you feel inadequate, especially on social media. So yeah, I guess I feel some sort of a duty as a person with a platform who does have a background in entre entrepreneurship, uh, who's who's done the very corporate work for the man nine to five thing, who's done the millennial follow your dreams entrepreneurial thing. I feel like I, I don't know, I just, I want to talk about this and share pepper in my own experience where it's relevant, because I think the biggest thing that I learned is that I I worry that my realistic advice discourages people, but I don't want it to. 
I just don't want it to screw people over. Like, I, I, I don't want people to feel badly or feel shamed, like they need to be doing something entrepreneurial and, and, and passion driven, when you can really have a fulfilled life doing those things on the side. And, and then if the side becomes monetizable, and you can do it full time, that's awesome. But you don't need to drop everything. You don't need to feel like you you're failing working for the man. We don't need to shame nine to fives just as much as we don't need to over glorify the entrepreneurial dream. Because there's like, okay, the and then we'll go into the coaching stories. And I'll start by like, sharing how I could be a coach if I wanted to. Uh, because of how it's all in how you pitch your story and oversimplify your experience and don't caveat your own existing privilege and access to resources that makes people think that your uh, anecdote is applicable to their life. And it is, well, I guess in the name of transparency too, of wanting people to be like clear about where they were at in their life when they found the success that they are teaching others to, you know, use as a blueprint. Like when I started the doormat business, I did it on the side. It was hobby-based. I was surprised it made as much money as it did. It was really exciting, but I still worked my full-time job for over a year. I waited until I could get a pretty substantial bonus from my prior year's performance. I'll just tell you, it was forty thousand dollars. I want, like, I want to. I'm not trying to brag. Like, this isn't. This is just like I want to tell you the reality of what I was starting out with here. Um, so, I, not only did I have two salaries for the first year of this business that I did on the side that I only really left because like I almost got hit by a car and I was running myself into the ground and working too much. But I also wanted to wait to get my bonus. And I, uh, in the $40,000 was part of my overall comp plan, first of all. But also I want to say that because I want to remind people that you should never uh, feel badly about taking a bonus and then leaving because your bonus is for the prior year's work and performance and not necessarily for anything going forward. And I think people have this tendency to feel like really bad leaving a company. And trust me, if, if, if a company's not meeting your needs, you have every right to leave it just as if you weren't meeting the company's needs, they would never give a crap about <laughs> laying you off. Like, I want to be clear about like where I start when I started a business, like what what I was working from, because it still wasn't enough. And I think I feel very convicted that I was in very favorable circumstances and still couldn't make it work that I just don't understand how in good conscience people encourage people to to drop everything uh, to pursue some passion that fulfills the narrative that they're selling without factoring in how many things like can very much go wrong that put people in a really difficult position, especially if they have a family. And I hate that the MLM messaging is so often uh, targeted toward vulnerable mothers, toward people that are in difficult financial situations, toward uh, forcing guilt and shame on people that do work a nine to five and don't see their kids as much. The pandering to like, oh, flexibility, work from home, the financial freedom, like, don't you want to be able to go shopping, have disposable income? Like somebody was, I got an MLM message once that was like, oh gosh, I finally was able to uh, uh, pay for my daughter's dance classes. And I'm like, rule number one of like sales is know your audience like what is that supposed to mean to me you want me to like get top coat and my dog some tap dancing class like I'm, I'm fine also his name is Tugboat but <laughs> if you want to listen to the last episode you know why I'm calling him top coat uh, anyway so all that to say like yeah I, I had saved money I banked a bonus I worked two jobs for a while I was making you know a lot of money revenue wise uh, but the business was expensive to run. The flooring business has a few key players that absolutely run everything. The uh, minimums you have to buy are so high 
that that could have put me out of business alone. But instead of uh, manufacturing rugs with the words already on them, I would meet the high minimums buying the blanks and I had to build out my own manufacturing process of getting the words on them. But even then, it, it became too difficult because the big players in the industry were making the minimums too high to have access to the baseline product that I, I wasn't going to build out a loom or like a manufacturing process for like mats or rugs themselves. So leveraging the infrastructure of the existing, you know, product, like it was just pretty common in a supply chain, like you don't have to manufacture every single part of your process. But um, I was the quantities and prices for the baseline product were difficult in and of itself. But then when I, after building out a way to get the words on all these different styles to meet the demand, I was getting copied so rampantly and it's so hard to make something decorative proprietary, even though I own the intellectual property for it. Um, I was getting undercut by price and shipping speed and all the disadvantages I had as, as had as a small business, this industry in particular, like it's just not very favorable to people that are small. And it was going to take so much more time and so much more money to ramp up the business to a place where I was a big player. But then I was like, I don't like I don't really want to run a flooring empire. This is a, the, the common thread here is my ideas uh, and is this brand. And how can I pivot this brand to be something more proprietary to my, you know, me, my skill set, my what I want to be doing with my life, my interests. Like it was never about rugs. It was about uh, kind of the quirky idea of innovating a stale category of pandering to a type of person like myself that tends to run behind be there in five was like always more to me than that and so i ultimately pivoted it to where we are now in this podcast but that was a three to five year process that was a a lot of tears a lot of disappointment a lot of things i tried that did not work a lot of wellbutrin like a, a, among other things like i it, to get from be there in five being rugs to here is a really long and windy and painful road and I'm still not really where I need to be but I could gloss over that if I wanted to and I could make it a lot sexier and more tempting and sell people my alleged process even if I knew it wouldn't really work for them it all sounds really good because like I get emails non-stop about how to start a podcast and I'm like I can tell you how to physically start one. I can't tell you how to be popular. If I could, I'd be more popular. Uh, it, like, it's just it's just so dependent on a variety of factors. But the other piece of that, too, is like the, the reason I'm where I am today is a function of not being hired back into the corporate world because I tried to get rehired after I took time off to streamline my doormat business. I, I so badly wanted to work for somebody else again. I so badly wanted a nine to five. I wanted to know down the line I could have access to things like maternity leave. I wanted good health insurance. I, I wanted to work for somebody so I could take a vacation and know somebody else could do the work besides me. Everything has trade-offs. The grass is always greener. I know that's not very satisfying advice, but it's how I honestly feel. But when I got to that point of needing to walk away, and I think this is what a lot of coaches do, is they build something once, they realize it's not for them, it's too much work, or it's not really going to fulfill what they need long-term. And they build out the things that made them successful one time into a webinar, PDF, retreat, or whatever it is, and then sell people on it for eternity and knowing that it's probably not going to work for everybody, but that people want the secrets and shortcuts to success so badly that they can just sell their story as if they have those shortcuts. And I could have said, instead of all the things I just said, what I could have said is, you want to know how I turned my childhood passion into a full-time job where I work for myself on my own time and made a half million dollars simply by reinventing a household item? Swipe up, take my course, come to my retreat, because it's a decent pitch. But what I didn't tell you glossing over all of that 
Is that a half million dollars? I didn't prorate it by year. People love to say, learn how I went from broke to a six or seven figure business and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, the revenue your business generates over a long period of time has nothing to do with your annual take home pay. And that is rule number one of like, do not listen to anybody who puts how much they make in the first two lines of the boilerplate of what they do. Because like, yeah, I, I sold an expensive item. It generated a lot of revenue. You know what? That doesn't take into account how many years it took to get that. Uh, the overhead involved, the, you know, let's say Keystone markup is 50%, like take out half of it automatically, take out all of uh, the rent I had to pay to house these huge ass mats in the city, take out the unfavorable taxing that happens to flow through LLCs when you're not yet at the size of an S corp, like, and then take out all of the investment you have to put back in the business to keep it growing, like spend money to make money. Like, I didn't make anywhere close to that, but I still could pitch it as how much I made and it would still be true. Does that, I I don't know if I'm making sense of of how like I think that people are, they're not lying, but they're so manipulative in how they selectively present information and the flattering denominator against which they position their success. And I could do it too. Uh, but I just know that there's way too much that goes into it that I couldn't in good conscience guarantee somebody's success based on all the weird things I did to make myself semi-successful only to ultimately stop doing it. But when I stopped doing it, instead of coaching, I just did something else. And and what I'm saying is a lot of people have a similar experience to me where they don't want to do the thing anymore, but then they start to coach about the thing. And that should be suspicious. And while I have done a lot of consulting on scaling handmade businesses because I do have that expertise, I'm not an expert at a one-size-fits-all solution that factors in other people's circumstances well enough to make my blueprint scalable to the masses. But if you're a coach, there's no certification, there's no third-party accountability. You're like, oh, I did a thing one time, and it's kind of a lot of work, so I want to make passive income, so I'll sell PDFs and webinars and group sessions for thousands of dollars with no credentials or certifications, just my niche, niche expertise. And then when I'm successful at that, I don't base the return that people have told me they saw on their businesses to grow a more you know a wider breadth of a practice in helping people actually start up their businesses i then build a coaching practice about a coaching practice because then i become focused on the return i got from my bullshit coaching and i just think it spirals and ever since nora McInerney said coaching is new they're the new mlms i don't know it just really struck a chord with me now i've become obsessed with this and i had to do an episode kind of bridging this in mlms because i feel like this is these are the last two pieces of the you know, boss babe bull I see so much of in this world. And uh, the, the thing I will say, though, and why I obsess over the mental health piece is when I did a lot of Etsy consulting, like, more often than not, people actually, they, yeah, they needed the more tangible help on the business. But a lot of times people did need motivation and to get out of their own head and needed a nudge. And I always want to nudge and motivate people. Absolutely. That, that's my goal, too. Um, but I don't want you to think that feeling good about yourself and proud of yourself and positive about your future is conditional upon a very specific circumstance that fulfills my narrative that makes me rich. And I hate the cultural forces that make so many women need this type of motivation and self-help in the first place. Uh, And what drives me nuts is like, you know, it's the one thing if you want to go to a Rachel Hollis, you know, rise conference, I, I, I've only seen videos of like women in sky tops and bootcut jeans dancing to Rachel Platten's uh, fight song while uh, Rachel endorses a bunch of men she hired to be keynote speakers at a women's empowerment conference. So I don't really know what it's like. But if it's exciting to go like dance and be around a bunch of women to get motivated, like th- that's totally fine. And I get that. Like, I hate when people talk about, like, finding your tribe. Don't even get me started on that. But um, and, and leveraging communities of women and that we need to, like, come together. 
but we're not coming together to fix what's broken, but to accept it. Like we're not coming together as women to combat why we're also plagued by false guilt, to fight against these unfair double standards that we're faced with in society. Rather, we're coming together at, at an MLM conference or whatever it is and promoting this like false feminist ideology that is the farthest thing from feminist. It's oftentimes rich men at the top uh, encouraging really manipulative marketing tactics to actually make the false guilt and double standards worse. And the claim to you of using a collective or community of women to empower women is the farthest thing from the truth because empowering women would be leveraging a community to come together and solve for the systemic disadvantages women have that make us vulnerable to snake oil sales pitches and hollow promises of more time, more money, more success, less guilt. Uh, but instead of combating that sort of pressure, not all, but many MLMs and self-help gurus often make them worse by bringing together a collective of women under the guise of femini feminism and empowerment to not create meaningful change, but to feed into individualistic capitalist desires where we get rich from magnifying other women's insecurities. These organizations are not designed to help women. These organizations so often are making a bunch of men very rich. And I don't want to shame any. Like, I've read Rachel Hollis's books. I, I've bought MLM products. Like, I don't want people that have participated in this stuff to feel any sort of guilt or shame. Rather, to point out how convincing these tactics are and how it's reasonable to fall for them. But it's important to be made aware of the real intention here and how individualistic it is. And it has nothing to do with, you know, women supporting women. It's the exact opposite. Uh, and I just think it's such a shame that anybody would fall for something uh, who was trying to improve their own lives, because that's an admirable thing to try to do. We should always be improving ourselves. But the lie is in that self-improvement is a singular destination and a static place of being and that somebody else's blueprint can be applied to yours in its entirety. And the lie is in that if 1% of, of people at an MLM have success and find the financial freedom they want and, and so deserve, that you could too. It's just they know that they're lying. <laughs> and that's what needs to be discussed. And that's why I wanted to share some of your specific stories about having uh, spent time and money on these coaches and um, these multi-level marketing companies. I mean, it does seem like a good time to um, tell you this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Total coincidence. Uh, huge fan. I'm a client. Uh, BetterHelp is, they, they facilitate amazing therapeutic matches uh, in a way that's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And it's a service available for clients worldwide that allows you to match with a therapist, not self-help, professional counseling. You can start communicating in under 24 hours and get uh, professional therapy in a safe and private online environment. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Uh, you can send a message to your counselor anytime. Even better, you can free. It's free to change counselors anytime because you know you got to. It's important that you vibe, uh, especially with like online. It, it's you know you want to make sure you connect. Um, and they have a broad range of expertise available, which might not be locally available in many areas, which I really appreciate uh, because there are different specialties when it comes to licensed professional counselors and when they're dealing with um, grief, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, self-esteem, depression, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, couples, anything you share is confidential. It's affordable, it's professional, it's convenient, and um, they have a lot of really incredible testimonials that are on their site if you want to take a look. 
I'm a big fan just in terms of I, I, I struggle to weather uh, a lot of the side effects of this job sometimes and just being like a sensitive person and dealing with kind of the 24 seven like feedback loop of it all. And um, I don't know, I just think it's always good to check in to have a third party sounding board that doesn't have any vested interest other than just helping you. And um, so many people have used better help that they are recruiting an additional uh, they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Uh, remember, this is not a crisis line. This is not, uh, you know, self-help. This is professional counseling. And I want you guys to start doing whatever you need to to feel better amongst the impossible environment we found ourselves in this past year. And I think BetterHelp is a great place to start just to uh, have somebody to talk to, to check in and to, uh, you know, work towards self-improvement in a way that's manageable and sustainable for you and not, as I like to say, bed in a bag self-help. Uh, so as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by li- visiting BetterHelp.com slash in 5 Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash in 5 This person said... I have an interesting perspective I want to share about the coaching movement. I'm a therapist and my sister is a life coach. She began coaching school at the same time I started grad school for counseling about four years ago. The more I hear about life coaching, uh, the life coaching business, the more concerned I am. Life coaches often market low-hanging life advice to vulnerable people who likely have mental health issues. Life coaches are not trained to report child or elderly abuse, yet they often take on an authority role with their clients. They often hear the deepest parts of their clients' lives, yet have no training or expertise on when and how to report the abuse or what to do if the client has suicidal ideation. That's a really interesting point from like a mandated reporter standpoint alone. Um, Interesting. Uh that is terrifying. Life coaches are not trained in trauma or mental health diagnosis, and it is my fear that life coaches are overextending their expertise based off of the specific things I've heard my sister say. Is there a place for life coaching? Yes, I do believe it can help people who already have many privileges. But for anybody who has any level of trauma or a mental health diagnosis, I fear that life coaches are doing harm. I could get into all the technicalities about why life coaching is often harmful to clients with depression, anxiety, trauma, etc. But I'm feeling overwhelmed at where to start and hopefully a short email. I recently became concerned when my sister told me And she referred her first life coaching client to go see a therapist. My sister has been seeing lots of clients for two to three years, and how has she never referred anybody to therapy until now? I'm worried that people have fallen through the cracks and were wasting money on someone who couldn't give them the healing and support they need. As a therapist, on an almost weekly basis, I am referring individuals to other therapists, doctors, or psychiatrists because they need some sort of specialty or because they need more than my specific skill set. Therapists are trained to assess the needs of their clients and are ethically bound to refer out when a client needs more than a therapist has to offer. I fear that life coaches aren't doing this and are simultaneously trying to delve into the minds and hearts of their clients. I could go on many tangents here, but hopefully something I mentioned is coherent. Absolutely. And I totally agree. And I think about this often, especially as it relates to um, those LGATs, the large group awareness trainings that like Tony Robbins and Rachel Hollis type people have and like links, you know, it's kind of linked to the human potential movement, right? Which, you know, is kind of deploying a lot of tactics adjacent to those used in therapy to uh, for these claims of, of promising to bring about transformation with zero practitioners in the room who are actually licensed and certified to be deploying said, said tactics onto a large audience. I mean, in general, like I said earlier, like the crazy thing to me is how how stigmatized mental health is in our society, how life coaches peddle the very things that therapists and counselors aim to solve, yet are not 
legal uh, certified practitioners of said tactics for transformation and the danger of somebody going to a large format group training and like Tony Robbins taking a mic in front of your mouth and forcing you to revisit some sort of deep-seated trauma without a single medical professional standing by to help you with the uh, mental health aftermath of doing said thing in a band-aid format that is highly inappropriate, hugely public, and completely unproductive to your future journey, mind you. It is all for show. I, I... I get enraged and I so appreciate you writing in and saying that because I can give my perspective as a non-therapist, non-counselor and be part of the problem or I can share yours, which is so incredibly helpful. And thank you for writing in. Like I said, I mean, the reason I talk about that is because people like Rachel Hollis, uh, they give speeches at events. Rachel's given speeches at, at LuLaRoe, at Beachbody, at Ar- Arbonne, at doTERRA. So they both like speak. That's where these things overlap is like this type of unqualified advice being given to the masses on behalf of the guru to their own audience but then these gurus it's so telling that that they're also leveraged at these mlm type conferences and anybody who was legitimately out for self-help for counseling for therapy who was trying to um help you get out of your own way not argue for your limitations work through your past traumas any of those things like a would be individualized and b they would never support the type of messaging at these conferences that they speak at it's a it's a complete conflict of interest these people do not have your best interest in mind and i just think it's so important to be aware of that you can't mass produce this type of like therapy and counseling like you can motivate people you can dance to katie perry's roar and visualize your highest self while forming a a community of girls you inappropriately call your tribe that you lose touch with the following week only to go home and realize you were intoxicated with the feeling of community and excitement only to realize you were being hawked a product that is so individual it just ignores the systemic problems that women endure that make them targeted for companies like this but instead of utilizing the power of community to solve those problems they make it a highly individualistic capitalistic wealth venture about you under the guise of using community but really the community is just to make the person at the helm as rich as possible by putting all of you in a coliseum and making a crap ton of money off of you spewing the same nonsense that made them famous that isn't even applicable to their lives anymore because they're not scrappy they're not bootstrapping they are just straight up wealthy because people like you wanted a quick fix and continue to subscribe to this thing you've already invested so much in because there's an amount of indoctrination that you don't even know is happening when you worship people like this i just got a pit like somebody pitched to come on my podcast that i've had my eye on for a while that uh the, the like literally their entire business it, and they get paid a lot of money to go around and talk about things like authenticity they either did a loop giveaway or i looked at the social blade or or bought followers uh, last year and bumped up their following like 50, 60,000 followers and are literally still going around talking about authentically building a brand. And I'm like, this is fraud. Like, it's no, it, it, it truly, you guys, like, it, it makes me sick. I don't know why this stuff bothers me so much, but they're all cut from the same GD heinous printed Lula Row soggy, unreturnable cloth. Like, and the thing is, I, I really do feel badly for people that have fallen for this stuff. I really do. And I don't want to shame or make anybody feel badly for being convinced by a really great sales pitch. I'm just here to point out why it's utter nonsense and why I wouldn't really know that until I had experienced some different sides of my career that made me realize things aren't this straightforward. And I just care that that anybody out there like doesn't fall for this stuff because these coaching things are like still so alive and well, even though I think we're, we, we I think people are generally more cautious toward MLMs, but I, I, I really do think that for some odd reason, this sort of influencer, influencer coaching thing is, is thriving. And uh, 
Can I just say, too, not that I'm like a Caroline Calloway apologist. I'm not one uh, Calloway, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, that was terrible. Um, I mean, I'm as, I'm as concerned about the Yale plates as the next gal, but uh, she really got, like, she, the original thing that, like, kind of made her get quote unquote canceled was that like workshop she had remember like the mason jars and she charged like 135 or maybe 165 dollars for this creativity workshop and it was kind of like meet your fave influencer and come learn a bunch of stuff and blah 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 and it was kind of generic prepackaged stuff and she got taken down and when you google her she comes up next to actual felon in person that put a, like millions of people's actual like health at risk like elizabeth holmes or like actual felon anna delvey she she kind of was uh in the crossfire of like peak uh white scam artist female obsession and got roped in with this like instagram course that like is kind of mild compared to what a lot of her peers do i mean Susie's school is six thousand dollars to and she teaches something that she actively forwent last week to change out her handle to take a shortcut herself because it is not easy even though she sells it being easy like this is this is what's so crazy this is why the flaky judge and jury of of uh social media is very hard the verdicts are very hard to predict it just depends like on how much you're already liked and what you can get away with and people commit the same alleged crimes constantly and some people are taken down and others get away with it and like i just don't like the the coaching is um i don't know i don't know if it's a bubble that will burst i don't know if some people if they already are kind of on the fence with the public will get away with it more than others and i honestly lost my train of thought because now i'm thinking about how caroline calloway must have been stoked when uh, one Steve Gutenberg shared her last name in the fine, fine, critically acclaimed film It Takes Two. Uh, Alyssa Calloway's dad, up until you know that point in my life, like that was that was what I knew to be fu bunny. Now I'm craving a big gooey messy burger, and now I need to move on. Next story. This story says, I signed up for a free crash course in manifesting your instacles. <laughs> Wait, is that serious? There's a course in manifesting your Instagram goals. <laughs> Guys, think about that. Like, the, if the universe honestly cares about your Instagram following, <laughs> what? I, 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 can, I can handle the universe has your back. I cannot back the universe has your handle. Like, if this turns out to be the way, the truth, the life, if this, is, if this turns out to be the meaning of life, like, take me to the lakes where all the poets want to die. I don't belong. I don't belong. If the beloved source is goop, like b b poosh. I, the, I, I, I if I spent my whole life thinking all these people were peddling nonsense, and it turns out to be like, <laughs> oh my god, you guys. Okay, sorry, uh, I could go off on a tangent, but gotta stick to stories. Okay, so she said she wanted to sign up for a crash course about manifesting your insta goals. And by the way, you're not silly. It's just the wording is funny. And she said. Uh, I've never had an issue with getting emails before. I've gotten every email that I've consented to receive, but this particular email I never got. I was so excited, so I emailed this girl and told her I hadn't received it. She blamed it on uh, Renegade or whatever, that like email service. She claimed that she sent the email for the course. A few more days passed, nothing. I contacted her about this, and she said that she didn't know what to tell me, that the universe works in crazy ways, and that I was probably called to take her brand new e-course on how to take back my life during retrograde for the low price of $111.11. I still feel stupid to this day. Don't feel stupid. Um... Again, I don't want anybody to feel stupid who's ever tried to do any of this. Like, I have too. I have signed up for stuff. I want secrets. I want the scoop. 
Now, I might just sign up for Zasing to snark, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, to basically trick you into getting your email, you follow up for wanting the thing that you signed up for, even though it's totally within her power to attach it, to send you a drive link. Like, who, the, who does like, That's so stupid. That's so stupid. You're not stupid. That is horrible. Uh, and, like, it... I know she was using the tool Renegade, but, like, was she blaming the email not coming to you on Mercury in retrograde, but then saying, like, that's your luck and you have to take back your luck during Mercury in retrograde for the low price? Oh, my God. I'm so mad. I need to keep my commentary at bay, but that's absurd. Thank you for writing. Hi, Tugboat. I know. I know. You're furious. I am, too. I am, too. Can you relax, though? I love you. Um, I bought Helene in Between's Instagram course about four years ago when I had just started, I'm sorry guys, working in corporate social media and starting my own little foodie account. I don't know if you guys want me to keep these anonymous or not. Um, uh, now looking back, it was such a waste of money. Nothing was that eye-opening. It was really create a community, make engaging content, and interact with other accounts like you. Damn, that's some... <laughs> dropping some knowledge. A community? Interacting with people? Engagement? Like, guys, is it... So this is this is what I mean. It's it's like it's incredibly complicated and hard to build a following, but it's not that it's rocket science. It's that it's the the nature of virality is that it is unpredictable and people don't always really know the X factor that makes something popular. And it's incredibly ridiculous to suggest that you know how to make something a hit when it's a lot of like authentically doing something different in the marketplace that people aren't used to and getting attention for it and or having one thing that goes viral that brings a lot of people in one swoop and then you can just kind of do okay otherwise look at those meme accounts that got millions of followers in the mid 2010s it used to be easy and straightforward and it's just like not anymore and ugh, whatever back to helene in between i don't follow her i don't know much about her but uh, this person said, I really feel like she grew because of her travels and she was claiming you can go in any niche, which I think is true, uh, but you definitely don't, yeah, you don't need a course to grow. What got me sucked in was the marketing for the course and the live workshop she offered. I realized that the live workshop was not live, but a pre-recorded video she played. So dumb, such a waste of money. Yeah, I did. I went to one of those webinars for um, when I was like struggling to figure out what my next steps were and like kind of in that era where I was, I probably was around when I wrote Twinkle Twinkle's social media star because I was so annoyed that I like, I didn't know how to get people to care about what I was doing. And the name of the game of yourself employed like is to build an online presence. And I just found it all so nauseating. That's what, that's why I ultimately started talking about pop culture because it had nothing to do with maths, nothing to do with small business ownership, whatever. When I started just talking about what I liked is when it landed and like, you know, that's some broad strokes advice you can take or leave. Uh, you know, a lot of people like a lot of stuff. Uh, and it might not be unique to the marketplace, but I don't know. I just was like, well, I have a background in analytics um, and market research. I spend a lot of time for fun reading a crap ton of pop culture information and Reddit threads. And like, I'm always just kind of deep diving and stuff because I'm an information seeker as a person. And I have this like, smallish platform from the mats so how could i leverage this to actually pivot into what i want to do if i can't get rehired or if i'm not wanting to be in flooring anymore so like that's kind of my story but i don't think it it's that simple necessarily for everybody but yeah when i was in that place trying to figure out like how to grow or what to do i signed up for some free webinar that i saw from a facebook ad and it was her name's grace l-e-v-e-r i think grace lever and she spent the whole time just talking about how since she became a coach and started coaching other coaches and using like sales and click funnels to passively gain income from 
her like webinars and e-courses. And all she talked about was how she fulfilled her dream of moving her family to Australian wine country. And all she talked about was wine country and like the house she lives in and the material things she, it was so strange. It, it had to have been pre-recorded. And um, all of the, her material is like, I don't know, I think she sells an online packet for like $300 that she like hugely oversells. And the thing with this type of thing, too, is like any naysaying I do or say on here about anybody, it's like I'm just not supporting women, right? Uh, because I don't support one woman. I can't possibly be supporting all of the women in their wake by suggesting that the thing one woman is doing is potentially hurting other women. But beside the point, um, the interesting thing to me, like th with this, t this sort of sales pitch that I noticed she does a lot and so many people do with their like Facebook ads, it's the copy is written in this crazy style that, you know, three to five scrolls long and every sentence has two uh, enters in between it. It's like, are you a coach, consultant, or professional business? Dot, dot, dot. Trying to grow your business online? Dot, dot, dot. Line break. You're probably running into the same problems I did. Line break. How do I actually make money? Line break. How do I actually get people to invest in my services and program? Line break. You see, every market is saturated, it seems. People are busy and bombarded with marketing and sales materials. Line break. How do you cut through and stand out and build a memorable brand? Line break. How do you do that when you have no time? When you don't want to build a funnel, when you don't want to set up complicated systems, line break. Are you overwhelmed yet? Line break. That's okay. I felt the same way. Line break. This is why all of these other solutions are bullshit. They take time, they take money, and they take a lot of know-how. Who has any of that? Line break. I know I didn't. Line break. And you don't either. Line break. Here's my aha moment. Line break. And I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> 20 minutes later, it's just like wanting you to buy an expensive packet of information or go to a free webinar or get a free pdf or something um and it keeps like talking about the secret the thing i was missing what i didn't know what i wish i had done da, da, da. and it, it blue balls you and it builds you up to not giving you the solution and then you have to pay a fixed amount of money probably from 250 plus dollars whether it's in uh to get another packet to get group coaching to get one-on-one -on -one consulting whatever it is and it's 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 such a scam it is such a scam it is repackaged information a lot of different people have from a lot of different resources that you could probably read in a lot of free books and webinars and stuff and if you feel like you are missing the key to success and somebody else has it trust me they don't have it they just have a pretty straightforward sales funnel click baity process where they get people to subscribe to their stuff the exact same way you just experienced by subscribing to their stuff you experiencing the uh, navigational pattern and, and, and sales funnel of an individual's coaching course is going to be the exact process they are going to teach you. So just learn from what they, how exactly they baited you is honestly the best way to do it. And the horrible unethical thing to me is it's basically just making people seem like they are missing something huge and then repackaging very basic principles to execute against a business that are hugely unproprietary. Yet you apply an abstract amount to how much it's worth to you. I totally get charging what you want to if you do one-on-one -on -one consulting. I think women should know their worth and the value of their time. That is not it. Rather, the value of these like passive income packets that like are a dime a dozen. And I know this because you guys sent me a bunch of them. And I want to go through them and figure out the best way to share them without like reading exhaustive amounts of copy. But for another day, we have more stories. Honestly, most people give packets with a crap ton of text. Uh that's just like you can do it get out of your own way everybody starts somewhere and then it's like goal setting 
<laughs> it's just like, here's what I do in a day. Here's the description. And here's where it fits into my content buckets that I can share and put it in, uh, into something revelatory called a content schedule. Are there best practices for organizing these things, for automating them, outsourcing? Like, yeah, of course. But it's just, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This person said, I recently got divorced. This person says they DM me all the time. Oh, I hope I respond. I'm sorry. It really, I heard another blogger say it's like a faucet. It really is because like, it's it's not on purpose. The user interface is terrible and I want to DM with people all the time. I really do. Please never hate me. I I do as much as I can for the time that I have to, uh, you know, maintain my life and relationship in a way that I'm not on my phone 24-7. But I love, love, love hearing from you and never feel like it's too much. But yeah, like, for example, I just posted this video of this person being like, babies are people too. You can't put them in a crib. That's mean. Imagine if somebody put you uh, behind bars and said, go to sleep. And I was like, I would love that. I have a really hard time with bedtime and I'm 33. Your child's three months old. Like they do need boundaries and they do need to be safe and they shouldn't be left to their own devices by themselves. in a Like, well, anyways, not important. But <laughs> so many of you were so outraged by it. Like th- then I'm flooded with like commentary and that, which I love and I read what I can, but then everything else from earlier gets buried and you guys get it. Anyways, d- complaining about DMs is not, um, uh, it's not something I want to do. And I don't say that to complain, but just so I don't want anybody to ever feel deliberately ignored. It's never my intention. Um, this person said, I DM you all the time. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Starting with, uh, oh, she lives in Utah. Uh, I recently got divorced and had been feeling pretty mad about my business because I felt like all my hard work wasn't paying off and I was in need of a little inspiration. One day on Instagram, I saw a local hairstylist put an ad out for a business spirituality workshop. And me being into meditation and into the beauty industry, thought, okay, cool, check it out. So I paid $50 to go to this few-hour workshop. I thought she would explain how she used certain spiritual aspects to keep her grounded in growing her business and maybe share some insight on how she built a beautiful salon and grew amazing clientele. I was wrong. For two hours, she talked about gratitude. (laughs) And kept saying things like, gratitude is powerful. And just make a list of things you're grateful for every morning. Ugh, I'm going to go crazy. Well, that's a very Turtle Creek lane of you, I suppose. Uh, and she seems happy. Uh, when you focus on the good things, it grows very basic, the secret stuff. We then proceeded to do a 15-minute gratitude dump. I don't love the word dump. Uh, and did a positive affirmation meditation that she found on YouTube that she didn't even create. I sat there in disbelief that there were 20 other small business owners listening to this bullshit and wondered if they were as upset as I was. I also couldn't believe that I just made a th- that she just made $1,000 in a few hours spouting very basic The Secret Manifestation BS. I left the class and called my sister in tears because I was so upset. I had a full Kim K ugly cry meltdown. It was so bad. I am so sorry. I wish I could give you a hug. Uh, you deserve the full Kim K ugly cry. I think we all have to be disappointed in order to learn a lesson and you didn't do anything wrong. And yes, it is frustrating that aggressively mediocre content is uh, financially succeeding. And that's why we need to have these conversations and call this stuff out. So people do not buy this utter nonsense that is taking away from their livelihood and their family's income and the thing they so desperately want to produce more of instead of giving it to people that are making way too much money for shilling utter nonsense. It's so upsetting. Um, a few years ago, I purchased an IG growth course from Hillary Rushford. She's based in New York, so I figure maybe she'd have more info than mommy bloggers of Utah. I was in the process of growing my Instagram on a local level because I'm an esthetician that runs my own business. Luckily, I didn't pay too much for the course. I think it was four to $500 total, uh, which back then seemed like a lot. I'd just taken the risk of quitting a full-time aesthetics teaching job to pursue my side gig of t- taking clients full-time, so I was feeling really desperate. In the ads I saw, she explained that she could help any IG account you wanted to grow, so I figured I'd give it a shot. 
The course consisted of a few hours of video of her talking about how to build an IG following, but it was very catered to a blogger business, despite saying it can work for any business. This is a huge problem. Again, if somebody says they can help you grow your business and they don't specify the niche or industry, run, don't walk to their LinkedIn and see if they've ever actually built a GD business other than a blog, which counts as a business, but there is an element of industry agnostic uh, coaching and counseling that comes with a person that has education or certification that they can provide, unlike the anecdotal experience that bloggers can provide. It drives me nuts. The lessons were things like how to write captions, making sure your feed's pretty with a good top nine, a cohesive feed, loop giveaways, interacting with potential clients in my area, hashtags, very basic photo editing via Snapseed and Visco, how to recycle old posts, and the list goes on. I'm also attaching some of the worksheets I got from her class. Looking back now, I wish I would have asked for a refund because none of these things helped me with my particular IG long term, gave me any new clients. I've learned that all of my quality clients come via word of mouth through teaming up with local relatable influencers. Oh, like Maddie from the Bad Broadcast. Love her. And that my number of followers does not does little to reflect my actual revenue of a client-based service industry. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I really think that uh, pe- people sleep on micro-influencers. Like, I trust the hell out of a micro-influencer. Because I don't care if they're getting paid. Like, I, I just, I know that they, it's so hard to build a following anymore. People can't risk their smaller feeds with BS and tend to be weirdly more selective despite having less opportunities available to them. Yeah, I, I think for local businesses especially. Uh, but like, I think people use the same big influencers over and over for absolutely everything. And uh, yeah, anyways, thank you for writing in. Okay, moving on to MLMs. Well, this is a hybrid MLM coaching story. There was a woman in my town who started out as a hair and makeup stylist and would do the hair and makeup of a bigger business coach. Let's call her Coach A. Very pretty little liars. She then started selling MLM makeup and hair products to her clients, then opened up a photo studio, then started selling women's clothing. The photo studio seemed to be doing well, and after being there for a while, she moved to a bigger studio space down the street. In this space, she continued renting it out for photos, doing hair and makeup, selling the MLM products, then setting up a boutique section of space to sell clothes. That's a lot. In addition to all of that, she also started renting out the space for weddings and events, created a co-working space for other boss babes to work and run offices, set up a boss babe program with meet and greets, parties, weekly workshops, and an intern program where she'd bring girls in to basically be her personal assistants for college credit. It was a lot of big promises and no follow-through. A good friend of mine was one of her interns and told me that it was a total disaster. Instead of focusing on one to three things that were working well and growing those, she tried to do it all. And after a few months, she told her intern she wanted to focus on her family, fired everyone, and closed the shop. Oh, God. Now, here's the kicker. Not long after she closed her business, she joined a team of successful female business owners for Coach A. Basically, Coach A was selling so many tickets to her coaching workshops that she decided to bring on a group of successful women to help her run them. If you brought tickets, if you bought tickets to see and learn from Coach A, you'd show up and hear her speak, but then learn one-on-one from a woman on her team instead. Coach A assured everyone that each of these women were just as competent as her and would help them... Um, level up their businesses. What they didn't know is that this particular woman was actually not a successful woman running a successful business, but had multiple businesses that had failed. Obviously, this doesn't mean she's not successful or wonderful, anything like that. But it always seemed weird to me that if she took people's hard-earned money to teach them how to level up their businesses when she never up-leveled her own businesses. (laughs) Since then, this woman has tried becoming a coach herself. She started out as a clothing coach uh, where she sold online workshops that taught women how to dress themselves after gaining weight. Uh, then she transitioned into being a business coach. I just checked her page for the first time in a few years while writing this email and saw she's now an alignment coach. What is that? 
Do, do they teach people how to center things on their page vertically and horizontally? Because that is important. Teaching women how to live their dream lives. Oh, <laughs> who knows how many other coaches she's been since I last checked. I know a few other coaches who have similar stories. None of them had their own successful businesses. In fact, most of them are college dropouts with no working experience on top of failed businesses. Becoming a business coach is a really popular thing to do in Utah, and it seems like almost everyone I know from there has tried it. I feel so awful for the vulnerable women who are trying to make their businesses work and give thousands to these coaches who in reality have no idea what they're doing. Wow. I mean, first of all, that was so... I mean, holy moly. That... uh I don't know how to feel about that because like good for you for trying a bunch of stuff but also I think that people uh spend a ton at first trying to make something look like something and they they get an office and cute furniture and a photo shoot and branding and all this stuff and it's like what's the product where's the revenue like what what is the actual business people love like the facade and the nuts and bolts of like looking like an entrepreneur but I think sometimes don't actually focus on the end product at hand and create something sustainable again this is why like you start from your house. You don't necessarily have to lease a space. You don't buy inventory. You create a minimum viable product. If you want to read something legitimately helpful, read The Lean Startup. Um, anyway, oh, I could talk about this forever. That, that, it, that I've never said the word coach so much in my life. That had more coach than a millennial Poshmark shop. <laughs> uh, coach wristlets. The, pa- the patron saying of the, uh, you know. Slightly drunk gallon going out top that cannot be bothered to care for her personal effects, so she just doesn't wear a coat and... Where's her purse around her wrist? I respect the hell out of it. I remember when, when, when you know, I, I really, a rite of passage really was when I upgraded from the wristlet to the arm party, in which I don't know if I was confused and I thought somebody, like, you know, somebody started probably like asking me to like go out tonight, but I thought they were asking me to like dress like a knight because I showed up with a, with, with, with full armor. Uh, wrist to elbow, uh, mandating that every attendee attend my party. And by party, I mean arm party. By attendee, I mean metal object in my home. Till I just had fistfuls of bangles that, like Monica Geller's hair in Barbados, were a sight for the eyes and the ears. I don't know. My queen was Blair Edie, and she had Atlantic and Pacific. I was like, well, somebody's got to hold down the Midwest. I shall place on my metal gauntlets, and I, at worst, with the desperate hopefulness of a linen curtain covet, best with a Wonder Woman's intrepid strength, and, you know, I'd just go on to the dance floor thinking I ran this town when really everybody was running for me because I sounded like a light tambourine as I walked with all this goddamn jewelry on. It's like, you know, Jacob Marley and, like, think of Mickey's Christmas Carol. He just, like, clanks around because he has all those shackles on his feet, you know, obviously being punished in the afterlife. I kind of feel like Pinterest punished me in the same way and that I was I was, I was highly shackled and didn't need to be uh, for the occasions I was going to where I was just hanging out with a bunch of frat boys with wet mouths and beer-stained t-shirts, critters on their shorts, swoopy Justin Bieber and like a nightclub new balance. I mean, a Sperry on a good day and that's not even that great. We don't even have socks on in that circumstance. It's a whole thing. Anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, I wanted to very elegantly um, transition from complaining about people selling stuff to um, uh, reading an ad. <laughs> you guys get it. Advertising is what funds entertainment, and God bless you for understanding the kind of discomfort of me having to provide commentary about influencery things while also knowing that this is there's an influencery element uh, to this as well. But after these brief messages, we will move on to MLMs. 
I am excited today because this advertiser actually is kind of the exact opposite of what I was talking about earlier with these kind of BS one size fits all coaching scams that are kind of under the guise of education. And I wanted to talk today about Skillshare. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare, to be clear. It's an online learning community that gives you access to a wide variety of educators of classes across a variety of business and creative disciplines. I mean, I took a class on houseplants just because I just want to keep one alive once. But what I am always looking for in an educational source is the ability to provide variety, to allow you exposure to different things and for you to hone in on what's ultimately going to work best for you instead of sell you something that's one size fits all. So let's say you want to know more about freelance and entrepreneurship. If you go to their best of classes, they have so many different things you can explore from turning your ideas into businesses from uh, building an Etsy shop specifically, uh, bookkeeping for freelancers. There's classes on how to price your work. Um, There's classes on how to grow your social media following, how to optimize your SEO, and it gives you tangible steps to actually improve your search engine optimization. Like, I love the specificity of classes. I love their varying lengths or various style of educators. And all in all, I just, it's an advertiser I genuinely uh, think is, provides a great product and uh, a support community of fellow creatives. And you can bring so much fun and joy into just your everyday hobbies or into growing a business. And an annual subscription is less than $10 a month, uh, which I think compared to a lot of the classes and workshops that are just so narrow is a great deal. And I use Skillshare all the time. And I think if you explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash be there in five and get a free trial of premium membership, that's Skillshare.com slash be there in five, you will really get a lot out of it too. Again, explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash be there in five and get a free trial of premium membership, Skillshare.com slash be there in five. Let's knock out another ad, shall we? Uh, because I'm so grateful to these sponsors that allow me to do this job that I so love. And the second sponsor is Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you're among them, you are not alone because, as I have said, I shed all over my house. It was getting concerning. And I genuinely love this product. And I've been using it for, mm, I'm what, eight months, eight, nine months now. And uh, healthier hair growth takes time and you begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in roughly three to six months. Uh, And in a clinical study, you don't have to listen to me, uh, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors recommended Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. And uh, what's great about it is it kind of targets five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. It's physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. These medical-grade botanicals and consistently effective dosages so you get the most reliable results. And I always struggle with how to, you know, anecdotally say I just really like something and it's really worked for me because I know I need to provide something more substantiated. And obviously, that's why I give you the points about the clinical studies. And this is definitely a category that I approach with a great deal of skepticism. Um, But I genuinely like this product. It's really my hair had like a max growing point uh, or used to and I finally you know when your hair just stops growing at a point and it doesn't get long anymore and then you see Addison Rain, you're like oh man uh my hair just just grows longer now and I like the product and I have my friends and family uh also taking it as well because I buy Christmas presents from my own advertisers anyway you can grow thicker longer healthier hair and support our show be there in five by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code be there in five and new customers will get 20% off. This is their best offer available anywhere. Plus, get free shipping on every order. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code BE THERE in 5 uh, 
do you guys know what MLMs are? So I didn't spend that much time like talking to about it or prefacing them. Multi-level marketing is a sales system under which the salesperson receives a commission on his or her own sales and a smaller commission on the sales from each person he or she recruits to become a salesperson. Allegedly, the way it differs between... Uh, differs from a pyramid scheme which is illegal is a pyramid scheme is defined as a fraudulent money-making scheme in which early participants are paid out of money received from later recruits with the financial recruits putting money in and getting nothing back so yes that is illegal that doesn't sound that different multi-level marketing is like a rough pyramid structure and it's kind of an interesting thing where i don't know like there are like some of these companies have legit products and really serious r&d um departments and like I've used stuff I like before from some things, but then other stuff seems like utter, like, empty nonsense that's really more about the business model than the product. But then you could argue, if it's ever about the product, why would you employ this business model? And I think it makes a ton more sense from back in the day. If, you know, women are so, so influential in their communities, in their families, like, in market research, like, my corporate background, sorry, there's an ambulance, um, we... Like, almost everything is targeted toward women, even men's products, just knowing that, like, women are the core buyers in the household. And I think that, like, you know, developing an affiliate model of sorts at a time made probably made sense to reward people that were doing so much word of mouth marketing anyway to further incentivize them. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't really understand the uh, anymore, especially how this can be your best bet if the product can speak for itself, but I don't really know. Again, we're, I don't want to spend time going too much into the business model because I think there are people that have done that better, as I mentioned before. Um, but to give you the, like this, some size of scale, these are still very much alive and well. This is from 2019 from a trade organization. It's called the DSA that says uh, direct selling in the United States represented $35.2 billion in retail sales in 2019. 6.8 million direct sellers, 36.9 million customers, 74% uh, uh, of direct salespeople are women, 26% men, and the number one category at 36% of sales by product category is indeed wellness. And like I said earlier, you guys know a lot of these companies, I mean, from uh, Herbalife, Mary Kay, Avon, Tupperware, New Skin... Monate, Arbon, Young Living, it works. Uh, there, there's so many of them. But to kind of, yeah, look at another data set since I, the DSA is a trade organization or like a lobbying organization, uh, I thought this was an interesting statistic that I will link to in the show notes uh, from an AARP study that was done in 2018. It has a lot of really interesting data. Uh, and they were kind of asking, why do participants join? Is it profitable? And nearly half of MLM participants reported that they lost money at 47%. And one in four MLM participants reported that they broke even, made no money at 27%. And in this study, one in four reported making a profit. There's another study I will link to that was pretty interesting from an MBA slash PhD that was linked to on the FTC website that gives a uh, data set that says 99% of people either broke even or lose money in the MLMs that he uh studied so it's yeah there's a lot of interesting data then the problem being like it's one thing if the goal the the core pitch wasn't that 
MLMs are a financial opportunity, but more so than an opportunity to spread the word about a product, like they're the they are more often than not pitched as a specific financial opportunity, and often targeted toward people in dire financial situations. Hence the ethical dilemma of it all. But let's get into stories so I can kind of bring these concepts to life because I think you guys know most of this. This is hi from Rwanda, Kate. I actually worked for an essential oils company for many years. When I first bought a set, I didn't know it was an MLM. I got in early and ended up building a successful team and felt very at peace with how I'd done and the tactics I had used. Being honest with people, presenting information and choices, but not pushing sales or upselling, my honesty and lax attitude about sales actually seemed to work. The part that got me is was how I was treated once I decided to step back from the business. I had res a residual income from the team and business I had built, which was hugely helpful when my family decided to move overseas. I made the choice to step back from the business and continue to just place orders and receive that residual income. This, in actuality, is the dream that MLM sells. I was living it. And yes, when I made that, and yet when I made that choice, I was shamed by my leadership for not supporting the team I had built and ultimately manipulated into transferring some of my top performing members to other people so they could have the support they deserved. This made me lose a fair chunk of residual income that I had worked so hard for. Anyway, years removed, I have very complicated feelings toward the subject. I still use the company's products and still receive residual income, but it goes down each year. But I won't ever get involved with an MLM again, no matter how good it was. Um, yeah, I think that's like a great, I read that as a point of uh, the Venn diagrams overlap. That is very similar to the cult-like mentality that is very, very much a problem that uh, exists within MLMs in that they... Uh, demand your absolute devotion and you know just like many like faiths and cults and stuff it's like no room to doubt no room for dissenting opinions you're in or you're out and um when you you know there's that kind of group thinker closed group mentality uh you know you're on our team or you're the enemy and there's so much uh, shaming and slandering and, and discrediting that can happen uh, from members uh, that were your teammates to people that step back or don't have time or try to scale down. And yeah, if you're selling people the dream of all of this flexibility, then chastising them for ultimately uh, leveraging that flexibility, you know, therein lies the issue. It's just, oh uh, God, drives me nuts. This person lived in Texas for a while and knew a lot of women who had business MLM businesses. One woman in particular sold essential oils and swore up and down that they cured everything, and she refused to use any kind of modern medicine. Several years ago, my cousin was tragically hit by a car while crossing the street, which tragically ended his life. Ugh, I'm so sorry. During the days before he passed, we were camped out in the ICU waiting and praying for him to recover. This woman messaged me on Facebook and told me to sneak into his room and rub frankincense on his big toe because it would cure the swelling in his brain. Jesus Christ, superstar. Are you freaking kidding me? Ugh. She said she would bring me a bottle free of charge, but that I would probably have to put it on him when the doctors weren't looking. Wow. Like frankincense, too? Like, the irony of a product brought by one of the three wise men hawked to you by the least wise person I've ever heard of. Like, that is so dangerous and ridiculous. There's, like, a whole other circle here I'm forgetting of, of for the Venn Diagram series of, like... Uh, conspiracy theorists, people who don't believe in Western medicine, pe like probably QAnoners, like anti-vaccinistas that just need to like, ugh, be like, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for that exploitation. And that is horrible advice to go around somebody's medical care. Yikes. Those are boundaries that need to be drawn when you're reaching out to people in these like the worst moments of their life. Like, are you kidding? Um... 
this one says boomer edition. Yes, we're talking about a 25-year Tupperware, Tupperware sales veteran. Yeah, Tupperware is an example to me of like confusing like product that is pretty ubiquitous in households and widely used and like how an MLM doesn't necessarily com- negate that it's a useful product, you know? Or I think about like Guthy Ranker, now the people that are Rodan and Fields and Proactive. Like I used that for years and it was effective and I'm confused by it. But Rodan and Fields people are like really annoying um anyways maybe not your typical mlm or probably most traditional mlm stories one evening in the mid 2010s the day i gave notice at my job a friend texted to ask if i wanted to join her for a tupperware party at her mother-in-law's i was feeling unsettled about the career transition so i figured it'd be a good distraction the first portion of the night consisted of the boomer boss babe we'll call her rita giving the middle-aged church ladies plus the two of us a rundown of the latest and greatest in uh, plastic kitchenware i think i blacked out for most of that but i do recall one attendee proclaiming that the ice cube trays were great for storing homemade dog food <laughs> there's a big lead up to the cooking demonstration and i'm not going to lie i was ready to eat my feelings in the promised chocolate lava cake rita first extolled the benefits of a special set of containers telling us all about her penchant for using them to poach fish in the microwave for her family to this day, I still gag at the idea of the smell of her home. I was filled with a sense of dread as she began preparing the lava cake, which she first, which the first step consisted of dumping a box of cake mix into a microwave-safe Tupperware dish. She mentioned that she was going to make fresh homemade whipped cream, and as she's setting up the hand-crank food processor, are you there, God? It's me, Kirsten Larson. <laughs> The host, my friend's mother-in-law, who doesn't always read the room, starts searching in her freezer for a tub of Cool Whip. She probably presents it to the former boss babe, who coldly replies, Oh no, that's not good, very unnatural, and dumps an entire canister of Betty Crocker frosting into the cake mix, then zaps it in the microwave for 10 to 15 minutes. (laughs) What? (laughs) She, She later mentioned that you have to let all the food sit in the microwave for several minutes before you eat it because of the molecules. Wait, as she's heating plastic? <laughs> as the cake was baking, sorry, what? <laughs> Very easy bake oven vibes. Um, like a tanning bed for food. Uh, as the cake was baking in the microwave, Rita announced that she had a small gift for everyone, a tiny Tupperware container on a keychain. Now I understand that Rita is the 25-plus year veteran. Um, and inside it's a slip of paper that would either give us free merch a discount or drum roll i roll roll me to my grave a party of our very own to host <laughs> our very own boss babe emphasized multiple times that we were only allowed to accept a gift if we were absolutely sure we would host a party in the next six weeks it was only a 30 cent keychain i passed on it faster than she could smile coyly at me as she made her way around the group my friend however had been having a side conversation and was not paying attention i saw her eyes light up at the basket of tiny tupperware and frankly and, and frantically and subtly tried to give her the death signal, but she was blinded by the cuteness of the doll-sized containers. Surprise! She won a party to host. Cue all the millennial dread. When my friend opened the container and realized what happened, she attempted to return the free gift, claiming that she wasn't able to host a party. Rita's sinister side reared again, and she discreetly informed my friend that her mother-in-law would not receive any host perks from the party if my friend didn't book a party that night and refused to let her return the keychain. Oh my god. Are cute miniature Tupperware keychain contracts binding in the state of Texas? <laughs> what? That's insane. I might have snapped. Uh, but also, it's her mother-in-law. So, yeah, that's tricky. As this was happening, the lava cake came out of the microwave, and the final step was flipping the cake upside down into a serving dish a la pineapple upside down cake. Kate. <laughs> the microphone. 
<laughs> this is well written. The microwave had liquefied all the frosting, which sunk to the bottom of the baking container and was now dripping down the sides of the poorly cooked cake. Chain restaurant molten lava cake it was not. It was greasy and burnt. It looked like a literal steaming cow pie. <laughs> cow pie, but worse, way worse. After rescheduling and dodging a number of times, my friend felt guilted into hosting a party of her own, but Rita never processed the very small orders of the four guests who attended. That's kind of messed up. The whole ordeal felt like a fever dream. Safe to say I was distracted that night from my impending career change. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was funny. This one says, hey, girl, want to be a hashtag, hashtag boss, babe? Just kidding. Well, also, I should state, say earlier, part of my frustration, as I've talked about before, is the infantilizing language that is often, like, used and actively encouraged in these circumstances because, um, I don't know, like, we don't have, like, we all know, we don't have boy bosses. Girl boss, it's demeaning and sexist to me, and I don't really understand the point of it, and especially I like it's like the term is bad enough as it is, but it it being paired with people who are claiming to own businesses that don't kind of dilutes girl boss even further, and the whole thing's upsetting. And if you want to be a CEO or mogal, like I guess go for it, but also you're just a regular boss because like you're a human person. So just some food for thought, just some chocolate microwave lava cake for thought. This is my experience with MLMs. One of my aunts decided to join Herbalife. And she kept posting every day on her Facebook page that, and that was fine until she crossed a line. She posted on my 17-year-old cousin's page promoting her Herbalife shake for weight loss. My cousin was a competitive swimmer and it just seemed really odd. Anyway, my aunt quit the MLM a few months after that. I feel like MLMs really coincide with the Rachel Hollis, Dave Ramsey. Oh yeah, I kind of forget about Dave Ramsey. Other tough love self-help gurus. You're supposed to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and these solutions are supposed to fit everyone's lives. It's pretty too easy to avoid changing and improving your business when it's always someone else's issue. It doesn't work. Yep. You've touched on Rachel Hollis a lot, but somebody that I actually think is worse is Dave Ramsey. It actually amazes me that an investigative piece hasn't been published on him yet. Look up his recent student loan forgiveness option opinion piece, which was littered with affiliate links at the end. No, she mentioned the Facebook group. We're letting in people soon. We're letting in like a thousand people. Just make sure you answer all the questions. Not amazingly dramatic, but I was a photographer looking to rent a studio space. Someone connected me with a person who was looking to share their space with a creative person. Okay, perfect. I researched what I could. And they seemed to be a makeup artist. Neat. I reach out and set up a meeting, dress up and prepare a presentation of sorts. Everything is kind of normal, except lurking in the background is a friend who I would later learn was boss babe number two, who was directly under boss babe number one I was meeting with. She did not give off friendly vibes at all or even pretend to be nice to me. Uh, boss babe number one shows me the space and we all sit down and she starts talking about what she does. Makeup and confidence? <laughs> Again, cool, whatever. But then she hits me with the truth bomb. Oh, true. I hate. There's there's no, no greater sign that somebody is about to spew utter bullshit at you uh, than the admission that they are about to drop a truth bomb. Um... She hits me with the truth bomb that she can't technically sublease me without breaking her own lease agreement. Okay, then what the F am I doing here? Then she hits me with, remember the makeup I showed you that you said was nice? I said, sure. But internally, I'm like, you mean the thing I said when I was just being polite? Well, you can sign up to be on our team for it, and then you are welcome to share the space, as long as it works with boss babe number two and I's schedule, of course. Boss babe number two smiles so rudely at me like she's Brianna Wallace in Holiday in the Sun. So I'm just stuck letting her go through the sales pitch of telling me how I can refer my clients to her and let them shop and trying to figure out how to get myself out of this under the table MLM deal. 
I'm an Enneagram 9, to quote John Mulaney, you could pour soup in my lap and I'll apologize to you. So while I was uncomfortable, I was just looking for any excuse not to get walked all over and walk out of there as boss babe number three. <laughs> I, a grown woman, use my southern surroundings to my advantage and play. This sounds great. I have to run my financial decisions by my husband and use that to escape and then I ghosted them. I later found out they were both Mormon. Oh, you know what? Um, what's interesting, and in, in data, you know, people, I don't want to bat, seem like I'm typecasting Mormons all the time, but there's a lot of uh, articles about the prevalence of MLMs in Utah. Let me just read from one so you don't think I'm stereotyping. This is from CBS2 KUTV. Uh, there's so much pressure in LDS culture to be a stay-at-home mom, said Garner, a devout Mormon who took up direct sales while raising her children. She worked for LipSense. The numbers back up Garner's claim. Utah is one of the highest concentrations of stay-at-home mothers in the country, according to a national study by the New York Times, which estimates 46% of prime-age women in Provo are not working, while 8% of men are not. Uh, heavily Mormon areas are a throwback, wrote the Times. The male-dominated nature of Mormon culture has kept non-employment rates for prime-age women extremely high, as high in some areas as they were for American women in the 1950s. Garner estimates about 75% of Utah women she knows are involved in direct sales, some because they want to stay in the workforce and others because they want to contribute to household income. These women turn to direct sales companies as a way to bring in money and still work around motherhood's demanding schedule. A lot of moms want to contribute financially to the home and help their husbands. Yeah, my observation, too, is like these that there's a real priority for recruiting in uh, tight-knit communities and uh, in some face the priority of staying in a community, having proximity to your family members and those within your church, and mostly only associating with people within a certain reference group you have. I mean, yeah, it's pretty intuitive. Uh, this says, Hey, Kate, I went to a small Christian college in the Midwest and have been absconded with more hey girl messages than I can even count, including a girl messaging the day after my engagement asking if I needed help losing weight for the wedding. Oh, Lord. As you've talked about before, there is something ex especially toxic about MLMs in religious communities, and Christians are probably the worst in this department. A girl I went to college with has done several MLMs from two different makeup ventures and now Beachbody. She's also trying to fundraise to adopt a child through a Christian adoption agency. Don't get me started on that, and has done several different things to raise funds this recent fundraiser is a new low she posted around christmas that she and her husband were doing a fitness fundraiser for the new year for the low low price of 100 you could join a facebook group where they would post workouts nutrition tips and accountability posts for january i did some investigating on my own and discovered that this 100 enrolled you into her beach body downline oh and she's not telling people that so not only are you no, unknowingly joining an MLM, your $100 isn't even going straight to the adoption fundraiser. I can't imagine she would get more than 50% of that $100, but who even knows? My husband lives for the drama and even entertained the idea of enrolling in the challenge just so we controlled the group. I respect that. Oh, God, that's so frustrating. And so gross. I hate that so much. Hi, Kate. I wanted to share a story and funny... Oh, quick and funny MLM story. I was a few years out of college when an old high school friend called me I picked up and she asked me how I had been doing. We chatted for about 45 minutes, catching each other up on our post-grad lives. I told her about my grandma's recent passing and my breakup with my ex-boyfriend and how hard that had been on me. She was super supportive. She then hits me with, Girly, it's been honestly so great talking to you. I love having you as such a close friend. My sister is actually on the line too. <laughs> and we wanted to talk to you about an exciting opportunity to work for yourself and take control of your life. Her sister had been on the call the whole time. Her sister proceeds to pitch me her energy drink MLM after I just poured my heart out about my grandma and ex-boyfriend. Needless to say, I was speechless, and we haven't spoken much since. 
that's like three-way call attacks are like it's like old school social terrorism <laughs> i mean it's literally in the in mean girls Several years ago, my husband was diagnosed with brain cancer at age 31, bless your heart. Within weeks of sharing about finding the tumor and his brain surgery, I had three acquaintances from high school and grad school come out of the woodwork, reaching out to offer support via Facebook. I replied back and shared updates only to receive a pitch from each to sell a known jewelry, wellness, or beauty MLM. Each wanted to take a very painful experience and share how I could work from the hospital to help offset medical bills. And one even suggested how nurses and others I meet in the hospital might be great people to connect with and sell products and be part of the opportunity. I just threw my phone. Like, I've seen these stories. I know these things. I've read this stuff, but it doesn't, it doesn't, oh my God. Guys, that's sick. That's sick. Her husband, her 31-year-old husband has a brain tumor. He's getting brain surgery. Three people separately see that update and decide it's a good idea to tell her she should work from the hospital and then recruit nurses to her downline that is monster behavior are people that this is what i mean it's like i want to be so angry but then i'm like it's such uh it's, it's such deeply disappointing and unkind and predatory human behavior I almost want to assume that these people are in desperate situations or there's somebody like forcing them to do this because I cannot understand on what planet people think this is okay. And for her to have three different people separately from different MLMs reaching out and doing the same thing, like it's a tactic, right? It's it's truly unforgivable. And I, I think that... It's almost so unbelievable. It goes back to the importance of noting the overlap with uh, the bite model, the behavioral informational thought and emotional control that uh, cult leaders and crazy gurus use to slowly but surely indoctrinate people into getting them to speak a different vernacular, into only associating with the community, into anybody who says anything on the outside is a naysayer, a hater. Um, and making it incredibly difficult to leave. So you're almost in this incredibly insular environment where this sort of behavior is normal. And worse, you can legitimately be convinced based on the way you're spoken to about these things that you are being helpful. It's kind of like people that are trying to save people's souls for being gay and then like snap out of it later. You know, they're like, I legitimately thought like that this is what's so hard about like behavior like this or or um hateful religious groups it's like it's it's inexcusable um and i don't want to associate with anybody who th thinks anybody should be denied their basic civil rights because of of who they love or the color of their skin or obviously any of those things but when there are these extreme churches and it's all you know and you legitimately think somebody you love is going to burn in hell and you do everything in your power to save their soul is this weird thing of like you're you've been indoctrinated you've been lied to and manipulated and you think you're doing the right thing and that's why whenever i talk about trying to like have productive discourse i'm like you have to figure out why the other person thinks they're the good guy and you know kind of dismantle uh, from the inside because they don't see that they're being hateful they see that they are saving this person's soul and it's so sick but i don't you know it's an important thing to realize to better understand and um work through this hateful behavior with people um 
And I just, I, I mean, it's just so, to me, that's just so disgusting that somebody would reach out to you in that vulnerable of a time that I'm like, I, I don't feel empathetic toward them, but rather I'm like, this just goes to show the cult factor, right? Because that, that is just such, that, that is just so obviously not an intuitive reason to connect about a business opportunity, but they're convinced that they are some sort of, you know, warrior helping women in their toughest moments achieve this financial freedom that the people at the top very well know won't happen but do the individual consultants know yet like i'm not sure she goes on to say they all use the phrase opportunity and invitation as though they have the corner on these markets gosh how i could ever how could i ever pass on an opportunity to hashtag boss babe in my spare time when all i would otherwise be doing is driving my husband to and from appointments cleaning his surgery scars, giving sponge baths, tracking medication schedules, and just clearing my mind of the debilitating anxiety that my husband might die so I can sling overpriced supplements and cheap jewelry at my closest friends and family. Why not continue the exploitation cycle and take advantage of my loving friends and family when they are trying to support us most? I'm so blown away by this, and I have unending distrust for the people who acted this way and the companies that teach others to use people's most vulnerable moments, especially women, to exploit them. A normal friend offers help, sends a gift card, encourages self-care, gets on the phone. That's what you need, rallies around you. A normal friend does not say join my downline and be part of the scheme that only further deplete you and make you feel like your lack of success is your fault, not the system designed for your failure and for their profit, as if women don't have enough guilt to carry around. Oh, thank God. I was going to say, please give me an update. Uh, her husband is doing great in his seven years out post-diagnosis in a couple weeks. Yay. She says, yay, yay for science. A whole lot of faith in true friends who won't sell you snake oil when you, all you really need is a good listener and a lot of caffeine. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you for your email. And I'm so, so sorry uh, that you had that experience. And I appreciate you sharing it so people, in the event somebody was ever considered doing that, will maybe think twice. Um so this is less of a story because we never responded and it didn't go anywhere but my mom and I received a Facebook group a group Facebook message from this girl that is the daughter of one of my mom's good friends and a monate boss babe the surgery she is referring to is the mastectomy that my mom had after going through chemo for stage 3c breast cancer which did cause her to lose all of her hair and this girl thought it was appropriate to target her for monate's products that can allegedly fix her hair problem <sighs> hair problem P.S. My mom kicked breast cancer's ass and is now very healthy and living, loving life. Thank you guys for, thank you for providing me the medical updates. I feel like stressed reading these. Um, it says, hey ladies, I hope you all are doing so well. Y'all have both been on my mind because of your recent surgery and its inability to keep you down. And Sid, the fact that you're totally rocking out. What? I know your mama is so proud of you. I can't really read it. It's a little blurry. I wonder if either of y'all had tried Monate or interested in any of the products. We literally have something for every hair type and problem. Let me know if you're interested and would like to take my hair quiz so we can set you up with the right type for your hair. I'm running a special right now and I'm gifting the VIP registration fee to more people, to two or more people valued at $19.99 as an incentive to join my team. So like, not that's crazy on so many levels just to like reach out in a crass manner after somebody's mastectomy. Uh, not only to suggest they have a hair problem, offer them to take your dumb hair quiz, but then it's not even about the hair product. It's about joining the goddamn team. Don't you at least, like, gently lure people in with the product and then talk about the team? It's just, like, it's so obvious, right? Aren't people embarrassed that this is, like, oh, my God. It's just, I don't get it. It's shameless. I saw your Insta story about 
MLMs and had to share this wild one that recently happened. So one of my kids' former teachers has been trying to get me to sit through a Melaleuca? M-E-L-A-L-E-U-C-A. Melaleuca sales pitch for a while now. It's cleaning products that are clean and super expensive. I told her that work while working remotely through a pandemic and keeping both of my young kids home with me to protect everyone. I just don't have time. I still like and respect her as a person. Thought we could drop the sales pitch. But recently she posted to Facebook her breast cancer diagnosis. And this is a woman who held my baby for an entire year while I was in class with her sister. So I very much care for her. So I commented on her post that I was so sorry for her diagnosis. We'd been praying for her, etc. This lady turned around and called me literally 30 minutes later and left a message thanking me for their prayers and asking if I was interested in Mel Luca's new baby line since I recently announced I'm pregnant with my third baby. She wants to make sure I'm protecting my kids with clean products. She literally turned her own breast cancer diagnosis into a sales pitch. It felt so wrong to me. She's got to be 60, 65 years old. When will people learn? Oh, that's really bizarre. And I've never heard of Mel Luca, and I'm probably embarrassingly saying that wrong. Uh, this is, hey, Kate, I saw your call for MLM stories. And even though I never sent emails replies, I had to share mine. I appreciate, honestly, I appreciate all of you for, for taking the time to write. A woman I know who's a friend of a friend sells Rodan and Fields. I'd met her a few times and we live in the same neighborhood. I declined her offers to purchase or become a rep multiple times. In April 2019, my mom died from ovarian cancer. She was a t retired library director and two of my best friends gifted me a little free library for my yard in her memory. Aww. It was the most meaningful thing anyone did for me after she died. I posted on my social media about my library. Then I got this message from the MLM lady. Hi, darling. I know that you appreciate Simple Sense skincare, so I wanted to make sure you saw our new masks. It's such a treat even just once a week. It makes a big difference. Let me know if you'd like to hear more. Love your little free library, by the way. That was the sweetest remembrance. Maybe it's a total re overreaction, but I wasn't continued to be so offended that she included my dead mother in her pitch. I didn't respond, and I've never spoken to her again. It's like she's so blinded by the MLM that she couldn't even be a kind human. No, I think that's, like, an important thing. It's like these don't all... It, it's, it's those, like, subtleties, right, that are, like, the most alarming. It's so disingenuous. It has, it has nothing to do with caring for you or your tragedy and everything to do with exploiting it. And, of course, it doesn't sit right with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. My first encounter with an MLM before I became woke to the atrocities of these scam factories or even aware this was a thing was my freshman year of college. I was a broke college student just winging it through my first semester when my newest Facebook friend, girl from my dorm hall I had partied with and met the weekend prior, made a post about a super fun job opening. Only one spot left that our friend had available. I was looking for a job, tired of still asking my parents for gas money, aka for loco money. Oh man, remember when that had uh, caffeine in it? So I messaged her. She sets up a meeting for her friend and I at the local cafe. I approach this as an actual interview and get a resume together just in case, dressed to the tens, the twenty tens, <laughs> and head on over. I meet a guy not much older than us, and he begins to interview me and asks if I enjoy living a healthy lifestyle or if I'd like to try to at least, and I'd like to help others do the same. Sure, who wouldn't? After a bit more chatter and a light touch on the fact that the job involves educating people on nutrition supplements, he tells me I'd be a perfect fit and he'd love for me to join the company. Nice. My first college job. Dad is going to be jazzed when I tell him. Only one thing. It's $200 to begin, just so I can, you know, get my hands on the product to try out myself. I mean, how can I educate others on something I've never tried myself? Makes sense to me. The thing is, I have literally $6.78 in my bank account. So I tell him, ultimately feeling embarrassed that I can't scrape up the payment needed. Um, 
And so I tell him, and he says, you know what? I think he will do so well this position that I will take that down to $50 for you. I'm honored. He thinks I can do this. The thing is, I still only have $6.78 in my account. Can I ask my dad for $50? That's like almost four weekends worth of four locals. <laughs> I just can't. I just like love that you, you, I appreciate you writing this like as your main character and I like deeply understand. Plus I owe him for the last time. I tell the guy, sorry, I literally only have $7. I mean, you're rounding up. Very MLM of you. <laughs> and I don't get paid for a while. He says, you know what? I do not want you to miss this opportunity. So I'm going to loan you this $200 from my personal account. We just can't lose you. And I am so honored, but also nervous. This stranger wants to loan me $200 that I need to work for him for this company so that I don't entire that I still don't know entirely everything about. Just honored. So we, and like, I would have been two at that age is the thing. So we agree and move on. He sends me on my way with instruction that he will let me know when my product comes in. In the meantime, here's what he wants me to do. Go to my Facebook page, see how many Facebook friends I have. And I had 600 at the time. List them all out in an Excel spreadsheet. I'm confused, but I do it anyway. It's a tedious process. The entire time, I have no idea why I'm doing this. We meet again. I give him my list, proud that I have hundreds of names there. He then proceeds to tell me he will be contacting every friend on this list to know he's a friend of mine that he would love for them to hear about this opportunity too. My heart sinks. These are people from elementary school on here, old soccer team teachers, ex-boyfriends, friends of my parents. I act natural. This is the exact moment I know I've made a mistake. Ugh, I am furious. That's disgusting. I'd be embarrassed to send that message to like my own sister, much less my uh, many, many nemeses for my spelling bee days. Uh, let's see. I let the meeting wrap up naturally and immediately go home and delete him from Facebook and vow to never respond again. And by golly, that's what I did. Soon after, I learned just what an MLM was and quite frankly considered myself a survivor from that point on. This is not without a solid year of him hitting me up via text and other social media platforms. I've always been decent at ghosting, but this was the longest gig I've had to uphold to date. But boy, did I survive. From then on, I could sniff out the shadiness a mile away. Sure, I'll host an Arbonne or pure romance party here and there for a friend of a friend or who's just starting out on her own new brand new small business, but never will I ever get swindled myself. That's honestly nice of you to even host those. I forgot about pure romance. Like I, they, I definitely got roped into the, one of those, uh, like, at a sorority party like as a virgin and i was like yeah totally these beads will look really great around my neck just like camilla bell wore them in rip girls and they're like no those are like anal beads and i was like chill chill can i wear them as a statement necklace or not otherwise it can't really <laughs> i don't know if i'm your ideal customer this person goes on to say while i understand some people have success in these mlm skis the majority do not the entire setup is made to prey on the stay-at-home mom, the down-on-her-luck gal, the wannabe's influencer, the woman deep in credit card debt, the busy college girl, uh, somebody, like, born at home, or, bo oh, bored at home. Uh, they all use different variations of the same language using words like freedom, work from anywhere, own your business to woo you into thinking it's really something spectacular that you've been missing your whole life. Like, you've just discovered the secret and you're going to help so many other others discover that same secret. I guess my wish aside from peace on earth is for the gospel truth that MLMs are a scam to continue being spread in order to prevent anybody else from going through such time-wasting, money-wasting, shameful con artistry. So that, uh, I thank you for doing the Lord's work putting together this episode. Uh, well, hardly the Lord's work. I feel like I'm really late to the game and I don't know. It's like I hate this exploitation. I almost feel bad being entertained by it, but anything. I hope uh, anybody out there will be a little more... Uh, careful if they already weren't. Uh, my MLM experience was culty to say the least. I was 18 and approached in the mall by a man who told me I had the looks to be a successful saleswoman. First red flag that I obnoxiously ignored. Honestly, if a grown man told me that 
I was a smoke show in a shopping mall, I wouldn't, when I was a teenager, I wouldn't be skeptical so much as I would be like, oh my God, uh, this is my fate. Uh, am I in Wish Upon a Star? Is this America's Next Top Model? I've been watching a lot of VH1s, like Behind the Music and Eat Your Hollywood Story. And like this, this is a reasonable career path. Like people uh, all over America get found in malls all the time. And that's how they get their big break. And I am now getting mine, deserving mine. Uh, you know, shout to the Lord on the earth, let us sing. I was probably religious at the time. As we talked about the episode with um, Jackie Schimmel, where I, uh, she was talking about working at Abercrombie, and she <laughs> it was so funny, it, like how she had to stand at the front and just like look cute, and she wasn't allowed to say hi or hello or how are you. She just had to say hey. <laughs> mall culture is my absolute favorite. If you want to hear more about my experience with mall culture, listen to the episode Bath and Body Jerks. Uh, but. Aside from that, I, I wanted to be an Abercrombie model so bad. I, I, I honestly, like, I was ready and willing to be discovered in a mall for truly anything. And I did not follow you for not seeing this uh, red flag. What's the opposite of a red flag? I, yeah, old man approaches young woman in mall. Green light. Don't feel the same way now. Uh, I get a info from him because he gives me the speech on how much money he's made and it uh, at 18, I'm like, hell yeah, sign me up. Well, fast forward a week later, I'm sitting in the orientation for Cutco Cutlery. I think my husband sold Cutco knives for like a day and it makes me laugh and we have one of the knives still. It is the sharpest mother effing thing. Like, it's it's dangerous. I mean, I guess if you're we're ranking knives on sharpness, it's effective, but it also makes me laugh that he even, I think he got like the intro pack and never actually sold to anybody. It's knowing him, it's just very not his personality. <laughs> She's like, knives, am I right? Um, uh, she said the whole vibe was sketchy. The building was sketchy. The office we did our interview in was sketchy. Altogether, just a weird vibe. Typical pyramid scheme where we make very little unless we get others to join and sell. At some point, they make us cold call 30 of our contacts in our phone on speaker to prove we actually did it to try to sell them knives. This was going on for hours. I tried leaving because it was just off, and the man in charge told me I couldn't. Oof. Scary. So I kept cold calling because I was a dumbass. At this point, I just had a bad feeling. Bad feeling. Uh, you're, you, you were cold calling with your hands tied. At this point, uh, oh, I text my mom to call me and say she's really sick and needs to go to the hospital so that I have a reason to leave. That's like those TikToks that prank moms that are like, uh, I got pulled over for speeding, but I told them that you had fallen, so can you fall? I pretend to fall when I get home. They, they're kind of funny, but they, they also make me cringe. Um... But also, like, you know, so many moms, thick as thieves, right or die. Uh, the mom calls and tells the man that she needs to go to the hospital and I have to leave. He asked me if anybody else can take her or if she can call 911. WTF, right? And tells me I have to stay and finish if I want to continue with Cutco. Obviously, I didn't, so I got my stuff together and was starting to leave. As I was walking out, he says in front of everyone, I guess it's all looks and no brains per usual. And everyone in the orientation laughed maniacally. <sighs> Oh my god. He then walks out after me, corners me, and tells me that the Cutco starter kit that was sent to me needs to be sent back or they'll have me arrested. Such a weird experience. I look back and can't believe I was dumb enough to put myself in that situation. Bless my heart. Oh man. We always hear about the Huns. You know, like the Hey Hun of it all. Um, oh, maybe there's a pun in that for the episode. I do always think of Mulan, let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. 
part of me is also like, what else can I, House of the Rising Hun, uh, One and Hun, Hun and a Million, what else, uh, Hit and Hun, like Hit and Run, Born to Hun, oh, we'll figure it out, Midnight Hun, <laughs> Midnight Hun, it's as if that's a strong pun, um, <laughs> Turns out that Twilight, from Edward Cullen's perspective in this hit, Midnight Sun, reveals that the entire time he was so pale because he took outstanding care of his skin with Rodan and Fields, and this entire four-part series of the Twilight books written by Mormon Stephanie Meyer was actually one large MLM scheme to sell glittery, pale skin and sell immortality as a metaphor for how baby soft and young you'll look as if you're a vampire that's never died. If you use our products, it's like, yikes, a bike, Stephanie Meyer, did not see that long game coming. Hun for the money? We'll figure it out, we'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> Actually, speaking of, I have one more advertiser today. This is a super long episode, so we have several. Uh, Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks ranging from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, businesses, uh, business, entertainment, and now podcasts as well. I mean, if you want to read Stephanie Meyer's Midnight Sun or Le the Lean Startup, the business book I mentioned earlier, uh, Audible Plus connects you to audiobooks just like that. It has con tons of content that entertains, inspires, and informs, and it's easy to find just the right listen, whether comedy, romance, suspense, true crime, sci science fiction, or fitness and wellness. You can even squeeze in a workout or guided meditation without having to go to a gym or class. Uh, and everything you want to listen to is all in one app. Uh, they've just launched their newest plan, Audible Plus. With Audible Plus, you can get full access to their Plus catalog, which is filled with thousands and thousands of select originals, audiobooks, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of popular shows, as well as exclusive series. Um, with an Audible Plus membership, you can get full access to the catalog. It has thousands of titles. You can download or stream without any limit. And to use your Audible membership, you'll need to download the Audible app. It is free and can be installed on any smartphone or tablet. And you can listen across devices like Amazon Alexa-enabled devices without losing your spot. I'm a big fan of audiobooks. I like to multitask. I typically listen to audiobooks while I'm doing other things, and you can listen while working from home, cooking, exercising, on a walk, family activity, just relaxing. Listen to something besides my podcast that doesn't have ads that will help you learn something rather than just listen to me complain about things like MLMs. I know so many of you have heard of and use Audible, and also we need to pick a new book for our next um, the next book review I do. I was going to talk about Mariah Carey's memoir, but then I never got around to listening to it. Anyways, we'll talk. Um, I know ton of, a ton of you are very familiar with Audible, but I wanted to tell you about Audible Plus. It's giving members a chance to listen and, to and discover new favorites and explore different formats, like exclusive words and music series or a podcast you've never considered before. And I love Audible. I use it all the time. I'm excited to dive into Audible Plus. And if you want to start a free 30-day trial, you can visit audible.com slash be there in five or text be there in five to five zero zero five zero zero to start your free 30-day trial. Again, visit audible.com slash be there in five or text be there in five to five zero zero five zero zero to start your free 30-day trial and the best way to support a small to mid-sized podcast like mine is to use these codes so advertisers uh know that this show is effective and uh helping share new services new businesses or old favorites with you guys and audible is certainly one of mine so thank you to audible for sponsoring this and like also should i read midnight sun i haven't in its entire entirety and please know whenever i say read i do mean listen because lord knows i can't sit still okie doke this is from a person who had a positive experience i won't say their mlm because i don't think that was the goal to pitch is to pitch their company but 
They, they acknowledge it was an obvious and often well-deserved ick factor, ick factor with a lot of MLMs and the way many people approach their business. Nobody wants someone they ta- they haven't talked to since fifth grade hitting them about, up on social media for something they don't want or need after disingenuously commenting on how it's been too long and how cute their kids are. Very true. Um, a lot of companies out there with plenty of ick factor from their products to training that often use predatory approaches and lure mostly women into a promise get rich quick scheme that often involves a huge financial investment to get started and or a requirement to purchase a huge amount of inventory and or a requirement to recruit and build a team. I was shocked to learn that a company a few friends of mine joined a few years ago required an initial investment of $6,000 to get started. And if you didn't have it, that same company would offer you a credit card to get going gross. Oh, God. Uh, most of them never made the 6000 back, let alone a real profit. I feel lucky to have found a company that happens to be an MLM but operates differently. She's been in this place for eight plus years, and it's been an overwhelming, positive, overwhelmingly positive experience. I work uh, part-time in addition to my full-time job as a consultant and while also being a mom to a toddler. And last year, I made just over $70,000 while also earning a free trip if we ever get to go and a lot of free product and other perks slash swag. As you can imagine, that's a game-changing amount of money for my family, and it affords us the opportunity to do things you wouldn't be able to do without a third income. Uh, the reality is I work my ass off to cultivate relationships with my more than 4,000 customers I've met over the last eight years. Most of my income comes directly from my personal sales. I do have a small team, but I've never wanted to convince someone to join uh, this MLM. If someone has an interest, I'm down to help them. Uh, but I never get cut get a cut of what my team takes home in earnings, and that's critically important to me. That is important. For me, this business works because I automatically love and use the product. My customers love it too. And we're backed by a CEO and corporate team that heavily invest in technology, user experience, web development, product design and innovation, and an ethical supply chain. Um, It costs $60 to $200 to get started and has a publicly available compensation plan that looks like most Fortune 500 comp plans. All that said, there's a ton of reason to be skeptical about brands in the MLM space, and people should do their research before they bash and before they shop or join. They're not all predatory. Some offer legitimately great products, and you can make money if you're willing to put in the work and cultivate relationships. Some things to consider before you sign up. Is the comp plan publicly available and easy to understand? If not, look elsewhere. Is there a significant investment required to get started? If so, be careful. Are you required to buy inventory in advance? Be careful. That's a significant risk to take on before you've even made a profit. Agree. Are the people trying to get you involved with the company financially motivated to sign other people up? Make sure you know what they get out of it, especially if it means a portion of their commission. Coaching commissions are not normal. Wait, coaching commissions are normal. Getting a percentage of your earnings is a pyramid scheme. Thank you for submitting that. I so appreciate your input. And uh, if people have positive experiences and aren't part of legitimate pyramid schemes, I support you. This person says, this is a pretty long, sad MLM story. Sorry if it's not what you're looking for. I'm pretty aggressively anti-MLM for so many reasons, but it started when my very best friend of 50 years, 15 years decided to join one. She was always the person who helped me, kept me grounded. She never cared what anyone thought of her, how she looked. Uh, her look on life was refreshing and reminded me to be authentic and true to myself. About three years ago, she got into It Works. I bought her product, took pictures for her, all in the name of supporting her, but decided It, in fact, did not work. I never once told her how I felt about her products. I never discouraged her or told her how weird it was to watch her all of a sudden care intensely about her appearance and social presence. One day I decided it was best for my mental health to unfollow her and just check back in every couple days and like a post here or there. She messaged me literally minutes later telling me how terrible of a human I was, that I never supported her because I never congratulated her on her promotions or took an interest in her business. I never liked or commented on her posts. I never supported her. I was a bad person and a fake friend and I could basically show myself out of her life. Here is my vivacious borderline MPDG best friend, 
completely changing into a looks-obsessed stranger and someone who felt comfortable cutting me out of her life for not liking her social media posts. But I learned from XLM MLMers that this is the rhetoric they feed these women. To prey on other women, firstly, new moms with a changed body, to name my least favorite, but also to cut any and all people out of your life that don't support your business. Yeah, I mean, it's cult one-on-one, you guys. All while telling themselves and others that they empower and teach women how to be the dreamy boss babe. I mean, when I told her I unfollowed her because I was struggling with my weight and disordered eating and all the posts on weight loss were not super great for me to see five times a day, she said, don't play my business for your mental issues. Oh, God. Ah. My acid reflux. I'm like Cameron Diaz in the holiday. I'm like, esophageal spasms. <laughs> No, it's not empowering nor supportive to women at all. Um, it's been almost three years and we've since become mothers. We haven't met each other's children or seen each other, much less talked in three years. It breaks my heart. Seriously, breakup songs are about her. Aw, I miss her, but she's changed so much I don't even know what a relationship today would look like. I hope some conversation. I hope some of the conversation you'll have will shed light on a predatory and cult-like rhetoric MLM companies pedal. Absolutely. I'm sorry, that's a bummer. It's, uh... It's like indoctrination, though. Like, you slowly but surely watch people's personality change, their vernacular change, their behavior change. And now you're in or you're out black and white mentality uh, of closed, you know, group think. And it's like, it's scary that that these companies have the ability to manipulate people in this way all while screwing them over. It'd be one thing if you were actually getting rich, but these people are changing their lives, cutting off their loved ones, investing their own money for a very, very small percentage of a chance to ever make any money whatsoever and have given up everything and everyone by the time they probably realize that point and then are fully indoctrinated and loyal to this thing and will probably keep working until they can ever generate any nominal income because they're told it's their fault and it's not the company's fault. Uh, but they never even factor in a person's ability to be a salesperson or how big their existing network is to begin with when they get roped in under the premise of the product and not necessarily the team. <sighs> it's so bad, you guys. Um, this person said, I live in a very tight-knit neighborhood where weekends are mostly usually spent at the pool chasing after kids and enjoying a glass of wine with girlfriends. A woman who was newer to the group had made it very clear that she worked for Rodan and Fields. Um... I feel bad saying the brand because I actually like most of their products. That's what's confusing. I don't think all... I know. They have... Um, well, I'm not going to say which product that I've, I've tried that I actually didn't buy. I don't even know why I have it because I didn't buy it from an MLM person. But that's impossible, right? Maybe somebody gave it to me. I had a product once from them that I thought was good. <laughs> that's what's frustrating. Um, she had the white Lexus and all. Her husband, who was quite successful, would tell all of the husbands that he was going to get to retire early due to her success at the, in this company. All this was actually totally fine. I mean, maybe I wouldn't have shared my financials at the pool and golf course, but hey, whatever. One day at the pool, she targets it on me. She gave me the whole rundown on what the investment would be and how I would be my own boss and needed to think about my future. Mind you, I own my own marketing firm, which employs several people. <laughs> That's so, so condescending. That's the story of my entrepreneurial life, like actually busting my ass to build a business, write a book, get like start my own podcast and have reasonable commercial success at these things. It is not easy to do. And and I legitimately just Googled how to do all of these things. Uh, and it just it frustrates me because people love 
to ask me like oh my god those doormats are so cute like how's your cute little business like oh my god you have a podcast that's so sweet like what do you talk oh you talk about taylor swift oh like is it like a fan po- it just drives me insane <laughs> and it's like i'm the one that's letting this bother me but at the same time there it's you know it's like she's the queen and i'm lily moskovitz with a local access show shut up and listen she can't be bothered uh to to listen to or pay attention to because it's below her pay grade now it's like why are you making me no no i'm i'm the boss okay i don't like the word boss babe but if we're boss babe and girl wash your face i don't think you can see clearly you have something in your eyes i actually own a business this is actually this is this stuff is hard work and it's not hobbyist nonsense that i uh coast off of my husband's income like i i get it's frustrating when people misunderstand your situation and the reality of what it actually takes to do it and then people like this go around and peddle that they are entrepreneurs <sighs> whatever uh i politely did what any respectable wife does i used my husband as an excuse and declined <laughs> you're so right i do that all the time she continued on for a bit longer and then finally left me alone. Later that evening, I got a super long text from her again, highlighting all of the items I would be getting for free if I could only invest $7, $700, sorry. I again declined this time through a text. Then she sends me a text asking me if she could have her husband call mine so that he could convince him. Oh, gross. I quickly responded and asked her not to do that because it might cause some tension in our marriage. Little did my poor husband know. I come clean to him right away and told him he might be getting a really weird call. Thankfully, he was a saint and laughed the whole thing off the funny my are you kidding my husband would love that he he would think it's really funny and know how much i hated it and probably like play into it uh just for kicks it's funny because my husband and i make fun of each other and like mess with each other a lot uh like almost exclusively we have a very jokey relationship and uh it's funny because I, I know that's not for everybody. It's never like condescending or mean or whatever, but I don't know, whatever. We just like have fun. And uh, I feel like he would commit to this as a bit and <laughs> I would be so annoyed. Uh, we don't have like a TikTok prank couple relationship. Like he doesn't pretend that he's going to go out to get pizza with the boys while I'm at home alone with my baby freaking out on camera, thinking about how he's just leaving me here in the dust. And or he doesn't, uh, you know, talk to me like I'm a dog and say, we're going to go do my favorite things today while I get, you know, a little bit more excited with each promise of a target run and a peach milkshake and like regular things people should do. But I don't know if social media wants me to think that new moms are held hostage in their own homes. Uh, he doesn't do stuff like that. But I do think that he would get a kick out of <laughs> <laughs> me starting a boss babe venture this person said i moved to austin texas from louisiana two years ago and i've really struggled to make girlfriends i'm 31 and live with my boyfriend i'm generally a homebody and make an effort to try and start conversations with women so with that being said i work in both retail and fitness two customer service jobs that require me to be on all the time a lady came into shop at the store I managed and we got to chatting and it came up that I was a fitness instructor. She asked me for my Instagram handle and promised she'd sign up for one of my classes. Sure enough, she had signed up for my class the following Tuesday and DM me asking if I'd like to grab a coffee. For context, I would guess she's in her 50s, but hey, I'm looking for a gal pal, so I'm not discriminating. I told my boyfriend I had a friend date and I was excited to befriend a real housewife of Austin. Cut to Tuesday, she takes my class, we walk to coffee. She immediately tries to pitch me to join her Arbonne team. Not only did I not make a friend, but I got duped into a miserable MLM pitch. Thanks, but no thanks, Danielle. That is upsetting as a person that's spent many years trying to make friends. Uh, I would be pissed. At this age and time, I might actually snap a bit. Uh, I would let this person says I greetings from Montana. I'd love to start by saying thank you. Oh, you're very sweet. 
uh, I just want you to know that I read your nice messages. I just feel weird saying them out loud and like you guys are the absolute best. Um, <laughs> it says keep on rambling, Kate. God bless. Uh, this is a big, a bit winded, but I feel a slight background is necessary. Um, that, oh, oh, she's talking about MLM exposure in a rural area. I was born in the Bay Area and lived half my life there before moving to Montana with my mother and sister for a slower pace of life. Absolutely love it here. MLMs are widely popular around Montana, which is a population of just over a million people. There are very likely uh, 10 cows for every human living in the state of Montana. Like other small towns across the United States, many families are required to, uh, to provide through a side hustle, if you will. Ta-da! Well, most of the towns in Montana are rural. Some of the larger ski destination cities have been infiltrated by rich Californians. Big Sky is like one of my... the. the I honestly like mountains are my beach, I think. And from what most people like in a view, I like in a mountain. And Big Sky blew my mind, and I want to go back so badly. I was kind of looking to see if, if and when this clears up, if I could scoot over there. Not to ski, just to sit indoors and look outside. <laughs> but uh, alas, we are still in a pandemic, and I am trying to keep travel minimal. I also, like, want, I just want somebody to let me into the Yellowstone Club. And I remember I was so annoyed when Justin Timberlake dropped that album, Man of the Woods, because it's, like, about his experience at the elite Yellowstone Club in, like, a fancy log cabin that has lit heated sidewalks. <laughs> I mean, it makes Evermore and folklore. Like, it makes Taylor Swift like freaking Paul Bunyan, you know, for her forest experience relative to his bougie one. It's ridiculous. Um, he and Jessica Biel just had another kid, by the way. Anyway, uh... I mean, a good two-thirds of the women I went to high school with are in some way affiliated with one of the various MLMs to offset the lack of jobs available to afford to remain living here. Oh, I think her point was people come, like Californians come and drop cash offers on homes the minute they drop on the market before a local has the opportunity to apply for a loan. Got it. Um, I think when I graduated from high school in 2008, this was the first time I was subjected to an MLM scheme. Fairly certain it was a knife company. Uh, thankfully, I turned it down. However, the experience I'm writing to tell you about was that of the bamboozlement of Mary F. and K., a facial I was promised, and the entrapment that followed. I was 10, 20 years old, poor college student attending flight school, so extremely poor when I met this sweet lady, let's call her Barb, as she was waiting as I was waiting on her table at a bar. She was chatting me up, asking me about life, and giving me all sorts of compliments. Barb explained to me that she worked for a beauty company that sold makeup. Mind you, I'd never heard of Mary Kay, not once, and was an aspiring esthetician. I grew up thinking Mary Kay and Avon were, like, high-end. I mean, the pink Cadillac was, like, iconic. I really didn't grow up with a negative association with those. And I think I have some Mary Kay stuff. Um, I, You know, I wonder if I'm not approachable. Like, do I... <laughs> I don't, this doesn't happen to me very often with, with MLM, uh, like pitches and dupes. And, but like, it happens to my sister a lot. But my sister is the type of person you, you know, uh, talk to in an Uber on, you know, a flight. Everywhere she goes, she makes friends. And it's a weird thing where I often will corner people and like, I do tend to get into really intense heart to hearts, but I don't get my, I never am really in a light, fluffy, casual conversation i feel like people aren't talking to me or they're bearing their soul to me and there's really no in between and i i don't want people pitching me their mlms but i also kind of wonder if i should take that personally that i'm not more uh uh you know people don't want me on their team <laughs> you know when something that you find undesirable finds you undesirable and then you're like offended <laughs> 
They, uh, anyways, she said, uh, Barb asked me if she could give me a facial sometime free of charge, then I was welcome to invite a friend along. Thinking to myself, jackpot, free facial, I would have too at that age, for sure. I mean, especially if I just got discovered at the mall, need to get a facial before my big break. Uh, she gave me the address, which is right next to a local business I was familiar with, so I told her I'd rally a friend and be there a few days later. Fast forward two days. We show up to a real estate office around 5.30 on a Tuesday. Lights are off and blinds drawn. Feeling a bit confused, we stand outside for a few minutes, then all of a sudden see the blinds come up on the door and see Barb's smiling face. Uh, and I think, phew, but why are we at a real estate office? Barb lets us in and brings us back to her office. We sit in the two armchairs adjacent to her desk. Barb makes us wait for 20 minutes while she fin finishes up some emails for her real estate business. Then turned abruptly and asked, are we ready to talk shop? <laughs> uh, sitting there looking confused, she hands us both a towelette similar to those used at Buffalo Wild Wings to cleanse our faces with. <laughs> I'm dead. Reluctantly, we do so. Then she hands us a small white square with a clear film on film on top, similar to temp a temporary tattoo you'd win as a pr as a prize at Chuck E. Cheese, with a small sample of cotton candy, blue eyeshadow, hot pink blush, and fire engine red lipstick underneath. <laughs> uh, a small white square with a clear film on top. So, oh, I see what you're saying. There was just small samples on like a single sheet of paper with a film on it. Yeah, it's like the worst fruit roll-up you've ever unraveled. It's cotton candy blue eyeshadow, hot pink blush, and a fire engine red lipstick is tough stuff. That's what we call getting yourself in a Charlotte Pickles. Uh, of course, I mean uh, Angelica Pickles, mom from Rugrats. Her, she was a little ahead of her time. Like, Charlotte Pickles is kind of a baddie. She wore, like, really hourglass form-fitting pencil skirts and suits, a corny Kardashian hairline compromising slicked back high pony and like bright blue eyeshadow bright red lipstick blush the whole the whole nine so i mean speaking of boss babes and ceos angelica pickles mom charlotte was a ceo and she's like always on her phone remember um man i need to i need to really herald the uh boss babes of yesteryear i didn't even consider uh, how strong of a female role model charlotte pickle was this whole charlotte pickles was this whole time um so her and her friend looked at each other and stifled their giggles. Uh, oh, at that moment, we knew we'd, be, we'd been bamboozled. We applied the sample makeup to only one half of our faces because that's how small the amounts were. Looked back up at Barb when she exclaims how stunning we looked and that we could get all the free makeup we want if we signed up on our team while shoving a giant Mary Kay catalog across the desk. She's a realtor, though? Like this, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it took two whole minutes for either of us to say anything to the sweet but deceitful woman. Suddenly, my friend stood up and said, You know what, Barb? No, you just wasted 40 minutes of our lives and stomped out the door. I apologize for my friend's outburst. <laughs> yeah, your friend's the problem. And turned and ran out the door. Never saw Barb again. Never accepted a free facial again. Believe it or not, I'd been propositioned three times since. Wow. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no way. It's like, are the people that really succeed and are at the top of these actually doing this stuff and it's working and they're so like aggressive and steamrolly or is this kind of the really bad marketing advice people give to people with no actual like tact finesse or sales skills themselves so they use it by the book and doesn't don't, and realize it doesn't land you know um because i don't know that could have been effective if you like did something crazy like a acquired relevant skills and applied the makeup <laughs> uh this person said, for context, here's a Facebook message from a girl I met one time when I was 11 at my cousin's lake house. I'm 25 now. I did not even know we were Facebook friends. 
Hi, I hope you are doing well and staying healthy during this weird time. I know this message is coming out of nowhere, considering we really only know each other from meeting uh, at Megan's cabin in the summers. But as weird as it sounds, you've actually been on my heart for a while now. <laughs> Ever since I met you forever ago, I've always thought you are the most genuine personality with someone that was just fun and easy to be around. I've had this nudge on my heart. Oh my God, stop with the heart. Uh, to share the health and wellness company that I'm a part of with you. Really, girl, the way you love others and live life reminds me so much. I'm sorry, I'm dying. Why is this so bad? This is like mild compared to the others, but the way this is written hurts my heart. It nudges my heart. Uh, really, girl, the way you love others and live life reminds me so much of what this business is about, and I thought I'd be a fool not to reach out to you. It was a blessing I never saw coming, giving me a way to help others and go after a life full of choices. Either way, it's totally cool, but I was curious if you'd be willing to take a look at a short video explaining more about what I do. Uh, did you? Where's the, uh, what was the video? <laughs> it's hysterical. So something about the way that's written is like, to, to say like three times you've been on my heart, despite having met 14 years ago. <laughs> also, if somebody was messaging <laughs> as like they only knew me when i was 11 years old and they're messaging me as a 33 year old they'd be like kate hey girl i've been thinking about you so much lately and how like you're so much fun and every day you go home after school and you watch trl with your hand on the return and mute button so if anything inappropriate comes on you can pretend like you weren't watching it and then you usually make something like a root beer float that gives you a stomach ache till you take a light nap before you avoid your homework and then bother your mom about what's for dinner and then you know maybe on fridays you watch a little sabrina the teenage witch you love to spend your time wondering how Lindsay Lohan was able to pull off being two people at once in the parent trap, even though you loved the Haley Mills version. Ever since Mary-Kate and Ashley in Full House, you've been amazed by the uh, unbelievable CGI technology that exists to replicate a singular person as a twin. What a miracle. You really like Annie's haircut, but you think Hallie's got that cool girl pokery vibe that you hope one day you'll be brave enough to get your ears pierced with a lemon behind it. Like, what would a person talking to me saying they knew anything about me at 11 years old would only know my 11 year old interest in personality and like i don't know why that's so funny to me <laughs> sorry i'll try to move through these quicker and get to the high points this person's talking oh talking about the business model saying first of all mlms the business model itself promotes really crappy sales tactics which i believe is due to the fact that they're paying full price or at least more than factory price for products and then become desperate to sell them and because you lose money if you don't desperation is a key here because desperation promotes unethical practices due to the human nature to survive right so they start spamming all their friends even guilt tripping them uh blah 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 the second point is that this business model only serves early buy-ins anyone who tries to enter late in the game will find that the local market is probably already saturated um Third, I've seen over and over again that they always cheap out on products and then market them like they're high quality. There's all kinds of lawsuits over people's hair falling out from using Monate, for instance. I've noticed that most of these MLMs appeal to pseudoscientists, you know, the kind who don't believe in vaccines but will take a pill full of dirt for ADHD or put mustard essential oil under their fingernails. Um, I can't tell you how many people waste their money for buying Buying self-help garbage from billionaires who use wealth as a motivator. Look, if you give me your money, you'll be better than everyone around you. Isn't that wonderful? As if being better than everyone around you is something to be sought after. I mean, what are we doing here? I want to help the world become a better place, not grab as much wealth as I can from people around me so I can be more comfortable. Like, it's such a selfish reason to make money. If you have wealth, you can have freedom. You can do, do whatever you want once your bank is full. It's so gross. Selling liberty at the expense of everyone else. I hear you. I've been thinking about this a lot. 
like lately and as I get older, just the, the general pursuit of wealth and the respect of the pursuit of be just being rich for the sake of being rich as this like virtue that I don't know. It's it's a yeah. It's it's complicated and. I want to be successful and wealthy so I can be generous with the people I love and the people who have supported me. Uh, but like, yeah, I do. I like, I have, I have so such a conflict in like what I really care about also kind of being conditioned by a more capital, uh, capitalistic uh, model where being rich and wealthy for the sake of being wealthy is a virtue. To me, it's like, it gives you access to resources and should give you access to, you know, being incredibly generous as well. Uh, I think people oversimplify the concept of a billionaire largely in, in a conversation we don't need to get into now at two and a half hours. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think about this stuff a lot. And I'm like, man, if I ever get my appliance garage for my kitchen where I just basically want to remove counter clutter and put every appliance behind a door that's essentially a glorified pantry and get my mitts on one of those uh, purple geo trackers with a teal racing stripe, is everybody going to abandon me because I've, you know, obviously become unrelatively wealthy? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, speaking of, there's one more. Uh, oh, gosh, I ran out of time. I'm sorry. My, I'm so annoying. I should just read stories and not give you my commentary but uh this is a post somebody's that somebody in somebody's like uh grad school program posted that is in an mlm uh, this is a caption from somebody in this person's um like graduate school program and she joined an mlm because her family was hit pretty hard by covid and she's like it's frustrating for the person who submitted this to see how the company is brainwashing her and taking advantage of the fact that like she needs to work while in school to help her family and um she said i could spend hours talking about how toxic this post is but i'll let you take the reins from here uh if you want to make it says if you want to make money you're going to need to spend money just like how you spend money to get work but the average person never feels like they have enough money because they're constantly spending it on things that bring zero minimal return on an investment here are the facts the poor will stay poor because they think everything is a scam the rich will stay rich because they see everything as an opportunity check yourself what side do you fall on when you read this list this is the mindset that's deciding your future well first of all um this is what's frustrating is like using general financial concepts to serve an MLM's plight because like, yes, in many cases you have to spend spend money to make money, but that is such a toxic thing to say to people because any business person, while they'd agree you'd have to spend money to make money, they would never, ever, 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 ever tell you to work for somebody else by paying them. And they would never, ever, 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 ever tell you to hold inventory. And they would never, ever, 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 ever tell you to sink your own time and money and personal network and relationships into something that gives you absolutely no benefits nor equity. And you're just a glorified contractor. Okay, so the list this person put in this caption is, one, the wealthy invest, the poor put money into a savings account. Two, rich people continually, continuously learn, poor people stop learning. Three, rich people refuse to be poor, and the poor make excuses that hold... Oh my god, I Actually, guys, I don't think I can make it to this list. This is upsetting. Rich people have a plan of action, and poor people depend on hope. Rich people think long-term, and poor people think short-term. Rich people are clear with their goals, and poor people don't know what they want. Rich people take on challenges, and poor people won't leave their... Com no, 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 no. Like, guys, this is it's not about rich and poor oh my god like this is like this is taking the like broader financial economic principles and stratifying it across like the universe of of how a person you know could find themselves with or without money to serve over like a, a self-fulfilling 
desire to gain people into their downline while shaming people for being poor in in considering none of the factors of what a we shouldn't be calling things rich or poor and b the reason somebody might not have money or access to resources has nothing to do with this and anything in this list this is so offensive this is so problematic it's like i want to find this person's handles crossed out and honestly it's for the better because like i'm i'm disgusted like I mean, by so many levels from this entire conversation, but like, um, it, it it's it's so. This is what I mean of like people that are so are too dense to understand these how these uh, broader concepts have a great deal of nuance and need to be taught with so much uh, more detail and care and practical application to the actual business world, and you can't like oversimplify or overgeneralize economic principles about money that only serve a narrative to help you sell you know more face creams it's just yeah it's not great you guys but anyway we're at two and a half hours i eh. <laughs> you're nice to be here god bless if you still are here a big part of the nexus of this conversation as i said is kelly and i talked for two hours on um patreon p p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash be there in five not a scam rather a diversification of my income as patreon is a subscription-based uh episodes these are the free episodes on patreon i often will have people that are like i'm personally close to on uh that i don't want to like put on the full itunes feed and um my sister and i talking about her like job disappointments over the the you know past year specifically with covid layoffs but also her like pivoting out of being an elementary educator i wanted to kind of share her story of her career arc just to like uh a because she was willing to and is the best and b because i know i have like a weird all over the place career but i know it's not like fundamentally that relatable at this point and uh she's a really interesting example of a person that not only had to like transverse industries but also has experienced a lot of the recent economic downturn and um also, I just want to like remind people like it's okay. Like if if you're feeling career unrest, if you're not sure what your passion is, if you aren't sure like I don't know what what if you're missing something that other people on the internet seem to have, like I just I don't want people to think they're falling short. I don't want you living in a state of thinking you're living a suboptimal existence because your career doesn't comprise your one true great passion. Everything has its downfalls. Everything just becomes a job at a point and if you can find joy on the side, if you can find joy pursuing a side hustle and ultimately scale it to a full-time job, if you have joy in your job, like there are a lot of ways to live a very fulfilled life that has not have nothing to do with you needing to go out on your own, you needing to subscribe or buy into something. Nobody has the secrets. If somebody does have the secrets, they're not selling the secrets, they're just doing the secrets. And I just want people to remember that and it kills me to think of anybody being taken advantage of or preyed on. And if you want to talk about like more career stuff and, you know, hear some of Kelly and I's difficulties in life, um, you can go to Patreon. There's two more hours of bonus content uh, kind of in that theme. But beyond that, we have um, career night coming up on Sunday, which is where Be There and Five listeners present on their careers. Uh, and you'll find the link there. We'll post Sunday on Patreon.com slash Be There and Five. Again, not trying to hard sell, but um, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, smaller community where we share more specific content. Now, I'd love to have you there. But all in all, uh, this was interesting. This was terrifying. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's MLMs are a topic I could probably go in a lot more on and a lot harder on. But I do feel like there's been so much coverage of the topic. And also, I feel like people know a lot of the basic watchouts. 
Uh, but if you have, if you want to share a story, please email podcast at be there in five.com. I can always do a Patreon of the additionals or whatever. I just ran out of time on here, but I also want to provide my own perspective because the, especially the Insta coaches just really grind my gears. And I think the Insta coaches are what we have to watch out for now. And the MLMs are kind of what are on the, kind of on the outs because like even TikTok won't let MLMs uh, advertise on their platforms because people, fortunately, these social networks are getting smarter about the stuff that they allow to spread on their platforms. So Anyway, above all else, just like, please, for the love of God, remember, you are enough. You're doing the best you can with what you have, and don't let anybody make you feel otherwise. You are fine as you are, and any choice you make from here on out is a bonus to have a better understanding of your surroundings and what you could possibly do. And a lot of things are going to work, and a lot of things won't, and that has to be okay. The realistic approach is to assume things can succeed or can fail and it has a lot more to do with the just like your will to figure it out there are a lot of variables that make things work or not and the important part is just making sure you and your family are in a position where you can incur that risk uh and whether something does or doesn't pan out you're better off for knowing if it did and you guys know how to not make financially detrimental decisions uh, and don't let anybody convince you or, or, or allow you to oversimplify the importance of taking care of your physiological needs first and foremost. I totally understand the pursuit, the desire for the pursuit of passion and purpose. And I just think we millennials tend to uh, overstate what we can get from our careers and that you are perfectly capable of finding uh, that sort of joy and satisfaction a lot of different places. For some, it's a career. For some, it may not be. But it, it, you're not missing something. You're just doing something different. If we, if, if everybody was in dumb jobs like me, we wouldn't have people doing very important work in this world. So the balance is needed. And I thank you for doing your best at whatever it is. And please never feel like you're falling short of a, an impossible standard somebody is most certainly lying to you about on the internet. I love you so much. Thank you for being here. As always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear.